Welcome to another fun-filled Monday edition of Second City Sports. We're live in the Living Color right here on Sports Zone Chicago, along with Miss Lakeem McGee, which is she. I am Cindy Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow your Shirley on the Twitter, X and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can follow my Keena McGee on the Twitter, X and the again at IG. Make sure you download that Sports on Chicago app wherever you get your apps. You want to know why? Because we said so, that's why. Also, so you can catch up on the other live shows that we have airing throughout the week. So if you happen to miss them, you can go back and watch them and listen to them all on the all on the Sports Zone Chicago app. Cannot talk to it today. So make sure you download that Sports Zone Chicago app today. Speaking of Sports Zone Chicago, please follow them on all social media platforms on platforms on Facebook. Twitter, X, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, please find and follow Sports on Chicago on all social media platforms. And if you haven't checked out our podcast yet, shame on you, but we're going to give you a chance to subscribe. We are at War Media Podcast, W-A-R-R Media, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. We are on all podcast platforms, including that iHeartRadio app. And while you're at it, please give War Media a follow on all social media platforms at W-A-R-R Media. That's War Media on Facebook, Twitter, X, Instagram, and YouTube. Once again, at WARR Media. And thank you very much, Advance, for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We are on a podcast, fun, and we have very definite opinions. If you have any definite opinions during our two hour extravaganza, we call it Sports Talk Radio Show, you can always hit us up in the comment section at Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in those questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. But if you decide to troll and don't do something silly or stupid, I've given the king of full power to give you fools to be a Olympian boot. Toodles. <laughs> but before we begin, we must remind you that you also catch Sports on Chicago now available on Roku TV. That's right. So celebrate the squad, give it the program. Sports on Chicago is now available on Roku TV. If you already have a Roku television, just tap on that sports folder and download that Sports on Chicago app. If you do not have a Roku television, but you have some handheld devices laying around, iPhone, iPad, iTouch, your Chromebook, or your PC, just hit up the Google Play Store, download the Roku TV app, and access Sports on Chicago through that avenue. So no more excuses. Celebrate the squad and get with the program. Sports on Chicago is now available on Roku TV, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, live and on demand. Anytime, anywhere. And you know we will provide How a little bit off today. <laughs> I'll say yeah, a little. I'll say yeah, a little off key, but that's okay. <laughs> we got a lot to do here on Second City Sports on this. Um, uh, well, I don't know what you want to call us, Holly. So if you're if, if you're watching this, if you're off today, and you're watching this for the very first time, welcome. Don't be strangers. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to talk about the rest of NFL Week Five slate. We're also going to do week six of college football, some very interesting developments with some teams. And also, too, we get you ready for the hockey season with one of our new friends, hockey writers, Book Laforno. We'll have her on at the bottom of the hour. Of course, we'll recap the Bulls. You know, they look okay. Not, not too bad uh, yesterday against uh, the Milwaukee Bucks. And if, you know, time permitted, you know, old school team money again, time permitted. But first, we're going to do with the rest of the NFL uh, week. Five slates says there was no Bears game today. Thank the Lord. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> depending on how you look at it, but uh, let's go over to London over at Wembley Stadium and someone with a little bit of a mild upset. Uh, the Jaguars beat the Bills 25 20. Um, 
know, Trevor Lawrence looked pretty good uh, for 315 yards and a touchdown. Uh, on the flip side for Josh Allen, um, threw for 359 yards, two TDs, but an interception. He also was a leading rusher. I know Sid hates <laughs> hates him when that's the case. Um, but um, you know, on the flip side though, Travis Etienne had 136 rushing yards and two TDs. So Sid, um. A little bit of a surprise here because I watched this game. It was a little bit, you know, maybe the fact that, you know, you know, the Jacksonville was there, you know, through the last two weeks and maybe that mm-hmm. played a little bit of a part. But we'll talk about some of the injuries because it looks like the injuries are becoming a big issue for Buffalo. But what did you think about the Jags' performance yesterday? It was much better than it was last week when they barely squeaked out the win against the um, – the subpar Atlanta Falcons. We'll get on them later. But I watched this entire game, Lakina, and it was a very entertaining game to watch. As you mentioned, the Bills tried to come back, but they failed short. But it was all about the running game for the Jaguars. As I told you on Friday, they needed to do a better job. Travis Etienne, as you mentioned, uh, 26 carries for 136 yards and two touch touchdowns. And something that Jacksonville has struggled to do all year is run the ball with some consistency. And so they did that yesterday. Don't forget Calvin Ridley, who's who was off a of suspension from last year. He has seven catches for 122 yards. And Trevor Lawrence did spread the ball around, which helped the Jaguars win. And let's not forget on the flip side, Lakina, that Jaguars defense was stellar, especially during the closing moments of that game. While Buffalo's defense, I know Von Miller returned, but obviously they couldn't stop the run. Yeah, and also, too, they lost one of their other top uh, linebackers, Matt Milano. Looks like he's going to be gone for the season. He has a fractured leg and also afraid to have a knee injury as well. So he's, for those of you who don't know, Matt Milano, I know that, you know, Von Miller gets a lot of the attention and some of the other guys uh, mm-hmm. are front seven. But my, my, Matt Milano is probably one of the best, like, inside linebackers in the league that you probably have never heard probably never heard of or probably haven't heard the name. So having him gone for the year, that's a big blow to that defense. You saw that yesterday. Yeah, so we talked about last year, Lakina Wolves, and one of the reasons why that the Buffalo Bills were uh, gone early in the divisional round of of the playoffs last year. One, it was because of the injury to Von Miller. And number two, uh, that defense failed to stop the run. Joe Mixon of the Bengals ran all over them in that playoff game last year. You saw what happened yesterday. Jaguars ran all over that Bills defense. And with Milano, one of their best uh, captains and signal callers of their defense, uh, that's really going to hurt the Bills. I think it's going to have the same effect as last year when Von Miller went down late in the season with his injury. So the Bills got to pick it up uh, uh, defensively. And offensively, they're going to have to pick it up a little bit more, too. I know Stephon Diggs had a good game yesterday. I know him and Josh Allen not beefing for now. But it's going to have to be a, a team effort, and more pressure is going to be more that on that offense, like it or not. Yeah, that running game, they definitely have to pick it up. I'm going to take a cue from you said last year about you know, Josh Allen being the leading rusher on that team. You know, look, I don't know why that is you do the run game too much, but – you know, I don't know. I mean, look, the old Dem- I don't want to mm-hmm. say b- the Bills are, are at a crossroads, but they're going to have to think about what moves they need to make in order to try to make it, you know, well, we'll, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, they're, they they fall to uh, three and two. And it's going to get a little bit interesting. So, as we stay in AFC, uh, this time we go to the AFC South. Shout out to our buddies, Bureau Dudes from CBS, had, had the call in this game yesterday. It's going to be actually pretty entertaining. Uh, the Colts edge out the Titans 23-16. And, uh, of course, Anthony Richardson, you know, got knocked out of the game early with a shoulder injury on his throwing shoulder, his right shoulder. He might – he's going to miss some time. He has an AC uh, sprain. It was the Garden Minshew uh, show. He threw for 155 yards and no tees, but it was Zach Moss who was a star there, 165 yards and two TDs. Mm-hmm. On the flip side, Ryan Tannehill 
uh, threw for 264 yards and an interception that ended up being the uh, the game-winning interception from, from uh, just, just Julia Blackman, I should say. So, uh, really nice performance by the Colts. They look pretty good. They're 3-2. and two. Yeah, the Colts got it done with Gardner Minshew picking up the slack for the second time this season. Don't forget to John Taylor, their star running back, returned with, with fresh, fresh cash. So, congratulations to him on that. But on the flip side for the Titans, Lakina, I looked at the Ryan Tannehill, DeAndre Hopkins connection. It was connecting very well as the game went along. DeAndre Hopkins ended up with 140 yards of receiving off of eight catches. But as I say, said it once and I'll say again, Lakina, when you think that you could trust the Titans to get on a, a roll and win a few games in a row, it doesn't happen. I told you last week they were going to win against Cincinnati. They did. I didn't trust them uh, this week to beat the coach. You saw why yesterday. Yeah, you did. Yeah, they're all did. three away from from Tennessee. Yeah, we all we I think we all picked the Colts. That, well, no, I think I think I picked the Titans. But yeah, DeAndre Hopkins is losing ever had 140 uh, receiving yards, just no touchdowns, and you know Derrick Henry only uh, had 43 rushing yards. So you know the, the Titans are kind of like one of those teams where you wonder, like, okay, where are they gonna? What are they gonna do? Where are you gonna go? So they're mm-hmm. at two and three. It's still kind of a lodge on the AFC uh, South. So you know, gonna get very interesting there, and um. You know, that was actually a pretty entertaining game. You guys didn't get a chance to check it out. But one game in the AFC that was not entertaining, you know, 34. Well, yeah, in, in, in Foxborough, uh, the Saints shut out the Patriots 34 to nothing. And I think this is easily one of the – this is easily the worst loss in the Bill, Belichick era. I think he hasn't lost as badly since when he was uh, coaching Cleveland. So it's been, it's been a minute since mm-hmm. he had these kinds of losses. And uh, if my computer could cooperate for a second. But uh, – you know, a great performance by uh, by the Saints. And uh, look, uh, Mac Jones. Uh, well, Tom Brady was at game one of the WMA finals yesterday. I think we're starting to see for anybody that was wondering, okay, who had like the better edge here? Who who needed who? <laughs> Belichick or Tom Brady? Well, I think we've, we've asked that question. You know, uh, Mac Jones, 110 yards and two interceptions. You know, Bla- Bailey Zappi did what he could, but it was already out. Derek Carr, it looks like that shoulder is starting to feel better from him, 183 mm-hmm. yards and two TDs. Alvin Kamara got his first TD uh, back uh, into the fold for them. So, uh, you know, you don't want to take this game too lightly because, you know, it's the Patriots, you know, but the Saints actually, you know, did what they're supposed to do. Yeah, as you mentioned, Lakina, they, they the Saints took on that game from the start. They uh, outscored New England in that first half 21 to nothing, and they continued on their role in the second half. Lakina, remember um, Christine, our girl Christine Mago, who picked the Patriots on Friday, she said that, Bill Belichick was upset because of the loss they suffered at Dallas yeah. uh, the prior mm-hmm. week. Uh, I, I don't know if he caught some of that press conference yesterday. Uh, he <laughs> looked like someone stole his possessions, stole his dog, stole everything, and he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> I, I, I think we posed a question uh, the last couple of weeks. Will he, he will Bill Belichick or Bill Belichick, as we call him on this show, will he receive his parting gifts, i.e. his link card and pink slip, I'm not saying that's the way he should go out, but three of the four losses this year have come within 30 points or more. And so that this is not looked good. You know, I've been uh, um, caping for this defense the last couple of years. They were young and hungry. They could fly around, but they're not getting done on They're not getting it done on either side of the ball. I, I, finding him right now, I don't think it's going to do anything. So you'll have to let the season play out. Uh, we want, we'll see how much fight that this team has left, but is Matt Jones going to be the answer past the season? Who knows? Yeah, that defense. So you thought that maybe they were a young and hungry defense last year. They haven't been, you know, that 
you know, unfortunately, you haven't you know seen a lot of those guys that we saw last year. I mean, Miles mm-hmm. Bryant, uh, you know, uh, Lawrence Guy Senior. I mean, a lot of the, Jonathan Jones. I mean, a lot of those guys were actually you know were solid. Jabril Peppers. I mean, you know, you, mm-hmm. they actually did last year. A lot of those guys. You know, they're not they're not getting it done, unfortunately. And look, is it a personnel thing? Is it a coaching thing? Is that message kind of getting lost? You know, with Belichick now, is Belichick said you know mentally you know checked out? I mean, you, you hope that's not the case, but. It's looking looking that way, and and it's unfortunate. But I know he doesn't want to go out like this. But if this keeps up, I mean, it, it, it's gonna get a little get a little dicey up in Foxborough. Yeah, I know that that fan base is used to winning and used to consistency throughout his tenure there for the last 23, 24 years. But you know, I know time brings on the change for for everything and everyone. Uh, it may be sooner rather than later for Coach Belichick. Like I say, he's still arguably one of the uh, greatest coaches in league history, but like you say, you, you don't want him to go out like, the, like this. But sometimes things happen like this. It's unfortunate. So we'll see what happens the rest of the season. We're gonna take a really quick break here, and of course, we'll talk about the rest of the NFL uh, Week Five slate. A uh, couple of interesting upsets, some questionable uh, head scratchers <laughs> to say the least, and another dominate performance by probably probably one of the best teams in the league. Lakina McGee, Sydney Brown, Second City Sports on Sports in Chicago, Khalees Sutton does for week five coming up right after this. This year, my mom got me the perfect bag for back to school. These colorful binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. This jacket is a real must have. My parents got me the skateboard I wanted. It's pretty cool. These scissors really come in handy in art class. These colored pencils, too. These new socks, they can be a real lifesaver. I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom. Trisha's having a sleepover tonight. Can I go? I wonder about Lucy's friends. What should I say? I know you're only 10, but one of these days a friend will offer you a drink. And alcohol at your age can lead to so many things. None of them good. So can I go to the sleepover? Lucy, I want you to promise me something. I finished my homework. (laughs) Bigger promise. If there's any drinking, I want you to say, no thanks, not my thing. Mom. I promise you, your real friends won't care. Deal? Sure. Really? I promise, Mom. They really do hear you. Did you pack your toothbrush? For tips on how to start the talk, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. A public service message from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration.
Hey, this is Dr. J, and I listen to Sean and Maya in the morning. Welcome back to Second City Sports, the Monday edition. We're live in the other color right here on Sports Soul Chicago. I'm Sid. That's Lakina. You can follow yours truly on the Twitter, X, and the IG at CK80. Once again, it's CK80. That's SIDKID80. SIDKID80. You find my kingdom again on the Twitter, X, I can't screw again, IG. And we have less than 85 minutes left for this extravagance we call the Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for us, especially during our NFL Power Hour, you can go to Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook page or Sports Zone Chicago YouTube. Type in those questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. Okay, so let's uh, soldier on here with the rest of the week five slate in NFL. Um, in AFC North, you got uh, Pittsburgh, meaning Baltimore, 17-10. You would think, okay, yeah, that's a normal score, but there was really nothing normal about the score. There were a lot of drops. There were some turnovers. There were some questionable decisions. There was a lot of your know, weird stuff happening. Uh, Kenny Pickett uh, threw the, uh, his game-winning uh, TD pass to uh, George Pickens, who had 130 receiving yards on the flip side for Lamar Jackson, 236 yards. But interception, Gus Edwards had 46 rushing yards uh, for them. Uh, Sid, uh, I watched this game. Uh, of course, there was no Bears game, so I watched this game. This this aired on CBS. Uh, I'll let you go first with this one because I got I got some things to say about this game. <laughs> I was flipping back and forth between this game and a couple other early games that were interesting. But what I saw after that first drive, Flakina with Baltimore, I said to myself, "Hmm, here we go. You take advantage of an injured, battered up Steelers team who were lacking in confidence, but." Yes, you mentioned they had a lot of drop balls. Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham Jr. They didn't run the ball uh, um, more than I thought they would. And defensively, Lakina, they just got lost, especially in their fourth quarter when the Steelers came back and scoring 14 of their 17 points. So uh, I, I, I don't know what's going on, going on with Baltimore, but uh, give Pittsburgh credit. They, they took advantage of a wounded animal. They were wounded animals themselves, but uh, Pittsburgh took advantage of that slide door that was open to them. Thanks for the miscues of the Ravens yesterday at home. And T.J. Watt, he, he's the best defensive player in the league mm -hmm. right now. I know you got Aaron Donald, who's the greatest right now from the Rams, but the, who's the best defensive player right now? T.J. Watt, he came up with a big play yesterday to end that game. Yeah, he had a couple of big sacks and, uh, you know, it, it was you know definitely one of those games where it was really like the, literally one of the you know of course you know in this rivalry it would always be something weird that happens of course like mm -hmm. you said there was a lot of drop balls I mean you know there were some turnovers on on uh, Lamar's end and a lot of the, it's just a bad like game all around for Baltimore they're three and two but yet you know Pittsburgh's got the tiebreaker right now because they're one and one and zero oh in their in the division so mm -hmm. this is definitely going to get very interesting in the AFC North because I'm not giving up on Baltimore just yet but. That 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 turnover thing and all the questions was well we'll get to that get to it in studs and duds but you know just a couple of you know, bad turnovers he had two okay yeah so Lakina's point was uh, trying to she was trying to point out you had a lot of miscues from the Baltimore Ravens yesterday 
You had a lot of, of drop passes and it was a couple of questionable um, decision-making uh, techniques by Baltimore Ravens head coach John Harbaugh. And so that's one of the reasons why the Baltimore Ravens lost yesterday. On the flip side of Pittsburgh, many people thought that Mitchell Trubisky was going to get the start, but Kenny Pickett's knee was okay. Of course, he injured it last week in a loss at Houston, but he did pretty well for passing with that game within touchdown to George Pickens, which picked up the win for the Pittsburgh Steelers as they beat the uh, Baltimore Ravens 17 to 10. Oh, All yeah. right, Lakita, Sorry. you're back. Yeah, so yeah, the yeah, the Wi-Fi buzzed for a second, but uh, because it because okay. it's so cold here. But uh, yeah, I'm back, <laughs> but, yeah. Little ice. <laughs> so that, yeah, but yeah, but an interesting game uh in Atlanta. Uh the the Falcons uh, edged out the uh, Texas uh, 21-19. And, you know, again, a pretty, again, sort of a solid, you know, game. I mean, Atlanta, you know, scored 14 points in the uh, in the fourth quarter. Desperate mm-hmm. threw for 329 yards in a TD. Uh, B. John Robinson had 45 rushing uh, touchdowns. T.J. Stroud, a solid, another solid showing by him, 249, uh, threw for 249 yards in a TD. But they weren't able to, you know, get it go- well. You know that they they try to do what they, they can, but it was really like Atlanta did just enough to win this game. I remember you asked this question about a week or so ago, Lakina. Uh, can the Atlanta Falcons free Cal Pitts? Well, they did yesterday. He had seven catches for eighty-seven mm-hmm. yards. <laughs> so yeah, you think, yeah? So hopefully this is a turning corner, for, uh, turning point for him and that Atlanta Falcons offense. You mentioned Desmond Ritter. He threw for over three hundred yards again. He threw a, a touchdown pass, but no turnovers. That's the key for the Atlanta Falcons if they want to win the NFC South. But the Texans were leading all the way uh, through the majority of this game, you know. But field goals, they do well for a certain point, but you got to turn those field goals into touchdowns. They did in the fourth quarter, but it just wasn't enough as Atlanta Falcons uh, did the walk-off thing with a game-winning field goal by Young Hoku, uh, 21-19. Still, you know, if you're the Texas, you gotta be feeling pretty good where you're at. You're at two and three, so you may, like I said, you may give some teams some fit. So we'll see what happens the rest of the way, and hopefully, see if I can keep up his again. No turnover so far, so uh, yeah, we'll see mm-hmm. if he can keep it up. Uh, Detroit, no problem with uh, Carolina, uh, 42 uh, 20. 24. I mean, I watched this game for a little bit. I, I, I mean, you know, to Carolina's credit, did you know, keep it close for a little bit, but it mm-hmm. was just too much Detroit. Uh, Jared Goff threw for, threw for 220, 230, I should say, three TDs. David Montgomery had 109 uh, uh, rushing yards and a touchdown. Uh, Craig Reynolds also had a rushing touchdown as well. Um, Josh Reynolds had a touchdown catch. Sam Laporte, if you had him on your, on your fantasy uh, uh, league, you know, he caught two of those TDs on the losing side, though. Adam Thielen got caught another TD pass and 107 receiving yards. Uh, Sid, what do you think about this game? Yeah, as you mentioned, Carolina put up a, a good fight yesterday, but the, the Lions offense was rolling. As you mentioned, Jared Goff, four touchdown passes. Once again, David Montgomery is having a great year. You know, they, they play the Bears, I believe, the first Sunday uh, in November next month. Mm-hmm. So, you know, David Montgomery is going to be gearing up for that game, no matter what he, what he says in the media uh, leading up to that game for that week. But this is the same formula that Jared Goff uh, operated under when he was with the Los Angeles Rams. Have a strong running game. Has some comparable wide receivers. Don't turn the football over. Your offense will explode. We saw that a few years ago when they went to the Super Bowl and lost to the New England Patriots. But we was starting to see it here again with the Detroit Lions. And uh, no disrespect, we'll get on Minnesota and Green Bay later. But as we, many of us uh, suspected, 
or expected. The Detroit Lions are taking advantage of a, a weak NFC North or Norris division, as Chris Berman of ESPN would say. They're taking advantage of a weak division, and you cannot blame them for that. No, like, no, you really can't. I mean, look, you know, look, look, as we say with the Bears, same thing here. They can't, they can't help who they, who's, who's on their schedule. They can just got to do what they mm-hmm. need to do, and that, and so far they've been doing just that. So uh, I'm sure they're gonna. You're not gonna look ahead to that uh, that game against the Bears in a couple of weeks, but. But, you know, I think, look, Detroit, I think they're taking one step at a time. And, look, you don't want to look too far ahead. So, you look, you're doing what you're supposed to do. So, look, they beat Carolina. So, you got to give them uh, credit for that. Now, mm-hmm. going to South Florida for a second as we uh, get to uh, Miami. They beat uh, the Giants uh, 31-16 to uh, through for two, 300, 308 yards, I should say. Uh, two TDs, but, you know, he threw two interceptions. But, you know, it was, you know, it didn't really lead to too much of anything. Uh, Devon? Uh, Devon uh, Kane you know, again continues to roll. Hey, 151 uh, rushing yards and a touchdown. And uh, just a stat here, if I could find it, you know, he already has you know that's his third straight game with 100 plus rushing yards and a rushing TD. The only other rookies to do that in the last 35 seasons: Mike Anderson, who did in 2000 with the Broncos, and Barry Sanders, who did in 1989 with the with the Lions. Wow, you're taking me back with those last two names, especially Barry Sanders. Good mm-hmm. grief. <laughs> we go, we're both getting old. But Lakina did watch the majority of this game via this computer screen yesterday. And the Dolphins uh, took control of this game, in my opinion, late uh, in that second quarter, even with that pick six that Tua Tonga Valova threw. Uh, the Dolphins just had all the weapons. The Giants didn't have anything. Daniel Jones did not have a good game. He was benched in, in the fourth quarter. Because of an injury, and that's injury. what head coach Brian Dable said yesterday. Okay, that's what happens, so be it. But the, that Giants defense kept the Giants in it yesterday. yesterday. As we said on Friday, Lakina, Saquon Barkley's absence uh, is much that much more maligned now because if he was in there, they would score more than 16 points. And let's not, on the flip side for, for Miami, let's not forget about Tyreek Hill. He did mm-hmm. it again yesterday, close to 200 receiving yards. He had 181 to be exact off of eight catches. Indeed. This scoring early touchdown. So the Miami offense is on almost an historic pace. I'm not saying they're the 19, early 1990s Buffalo Bills or the 98 Vikings or the 1999 Rams or the 0304 Indianapolis Colts, but they're putting up some close to historic numbers right now. Absolutely. Now they're looking really good so far. Now that like that Jason Pennick uh, INT for 102 uh, yards that kind of kept the Giants in it for a little bit, but mm-hmm. you know, they really just couldn't get it to get on the offensive side. So uh, you just imagine if Barkley was there, but uh, I, I mean, look, the, the, the Giants, ugh, it's just excuse yeah. me, they're one and four. So yeah, yeah, that's pretty much I pretty much covered it with my little, uh, uh, little <laughs> thing there. <laughs> The last game of that uh, that noon slate. So let's go to three o'clock games for those seconds of sports. On uh, sports, Chicago Lake Keenan McGee, Cindy Brown with you. Uh, since he uh, got his second win of the season, finally they beat Arizona t- thirty-four to twenty. Um, you know, I mean, look, we know that Arizona's tanking, but they they actually had they actually kept it close for a little bit. But you know, uh, since mm-hmm. he uh, kind of kicked it into gear late, uh, Gerald Burrow threw, threw, threw for three hundred seventeen yards and three TDs and interception. Josh Dobbs on the flip side had uh, two hundred uh, two TDs, two TD passes, and two interceptions. So it was really sort of the defense that kind of had a lot to say in this game. And uh, look, Joe Mixon, you said you said yourself said they you know, they wish they would. Uh, Use them a little bit more. They did eight and one mm-hmm. yards on twenty five carries. 
Yeah, as I said on Friday, that's what the formula for the Cincinnati Bengals have been the last couple of years as they made um, deep playoff runs. And they got back to that one winning formula yesterday. I know I picked Arizona on Friday, Lincoln, because I didn't know how much Joe Burrow had had dealing with that calf injury. But mm-hmm. he showed a lot of people that he still has a lot left in that tank. And don't forget about Jamar Chase. He had 15 catches, over 192 yards, and three big touchdowns. He says the Cincinnati Bengals all-time franchise record for most catches in one game. So uh, the Bengals deserved it yesterday. They put the pedal to the metal. On the flip side for the Cardinals, Lakina, they had their chances, but like all young teams, you have to go through growing pains to learn how to execute down the stretch, and that's exactly what happened yesterday. Yeah, Chase, that's his second career game with at least 10 10 receptions, 150 uh, receiving yards, and two receiving touchdowns. He's only the third player in NFL history to have multiple uh, uh, games of such. Before turning 25, he joins Amari Cooper and Isaac Bruce. So uh, pretty interesting uh, list that he joins there. So, yeah, look, we'll see if this starts a little bit of a trend for Cincy. Again, you know, it's Arizona, so it's going to be hard to kind of fathom, like, you know, is this going to be a start or something? But uh, we'll see. But uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, going to Los Angeles for a second over at SoFi, uh, the Eagles, mm, you know, it was a little bit close for a little bit. It was actually it beat it pretty. I actually had this game on, you know, I watched it on the computer, uh, 23-14 over the Rams. Jalen Hurts uh, threw for 303 yards and a TD. Matt Stafford on the flip side had 220, uh, threw for 220 yards and two TDs. He, uh, Hurts was also the rusher on that uh on there, uh, AJ Brown, 100, 127 uh, receiving yards. Dallas Gobber, Gobber, 100, 117 uh, receiving yards and a TD. You know, Cooper Cup in his first game back, eight receptions, 118 yards. So uh, not looking too bad for someone who hasn't played in over a year, but almost a year. But uh, it was actually the defense for the Eagles. They had they sacked Stafford four times. Yeah, the Philadelphia defense has actually been the, the consistent part of this team all year long, even though they're 5-0 right now. I don't know about you, Lakina, but watching some of that game yesterday, I kind of, maybe it's just me, I kind of got that feeling that Philadelphia is playing down to that competition. I know the Rams not the same Rams that won the Super Bowl a couple years ago, but I got that feeling that and it's been a, a problem with Philadelphia off and on so far the, through the earlier part of the season. Are they playing down to their competition? They do. They do make the plays when when they had to when it, when the chips are on or are on the line. But I just didn't get the feeling that they they dom that they were supposed to dominate the Rams. But I didn't get mm-hmm. that feeling yesterday. Now on the flip side for the Rams, Matthew Stafford. You mentioned Cooper Cup was back. He did help them, but. Matthew Stafford missed a Cooper Cup a couple of times, especially late in the game. Mm-hmm. Game there, and uh, Pakua, uh, uh, Nakua. I'm, I'm yes, glad I said his name yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, Stafford missed him deep down, uh, yes. uh, down on the on the sideline early in the game as well. So Stafford is going to have to get his timing right with Cooper Cup, which is understandable. But the Rams had their chances, but Philadelphia uh, came up big when it had to, especially on the defensive end. Yeah, Hassan Reg and Jalen Carr also, you know, they had two two each of those 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 four sacks. So uh, Yeah, yeah, that Hassan Reddick sack yesterday, which basically yeah. sealed the deal for Philadelphia. I don't know if you saw Matthew Stafford uh, after that sack. Uh, he took a big shot. Yeah, he did. He did not look good afterwards. So definitely something to look out there. And look, the Eagles, you know, they did what they're you're supposed to do when you're the defending NFC champs. 
you look, it did, you know, look, it, it's not pretty, but look, you know, go grind it out and uh, look, they won the game. So that's really all that matters. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about style points, I guess. Now, unfortunately, this next game isn't about style points, as uh, Andrew Catalan said in the, in the broadcast for CBS. Uh, this game was <laughs> the Hall of Fame. Uh, <laughs> 31-21, the Jets over Denver. Uh, okay. Uh, both Zach Wilson and uh, Russell Wilson, no relation, uh, were sacked uh, four times each. And oh goodness, I wait. Hold on, I got it. I got it written down here. Our buddy Eric at home, who does uh, stuff for uh, uh, NFL.com, we got to get him back on. Friend of the show. Yes, yes, got to get him back on. Shoot, but uh, yeah, it just again, it wasn't the pretty. There were eight fumbles between them. You know, only seven third down conversions, six field goals at thirty yards or fewer. So yeah, that was <laughs> that pretty much sums up this game in a nutshell. The Jets end up actually getting the last laugh, if you want to call it that. Yeah, Nathaniel Hackett does get the last laugh. Remember uh, the trash talking that Sean Payton was uh, throwing at uh, the shade that Payton, Sean Payton was throwing his way during the offseason. But you mentioned Zach Wilson, 199 yards, even though he had the he had a, he threw a pick. He actually didn't play that bad. It was Brees Hall, who remember he injured his ACL mm-hmm. last year when when the Jets went out there to Denver. This was mm-hmm. what a, re, a redemption performance for him. He had 22 carries for 177 yards and a touchdown. Sammy P. Ryan led Denver with uh, 73 yards of receiving from the run, running back position with four catches. Lakina, Denver's defense is, is – uh, it, it was terrible. But it was more of that offense yesterday, which was the worst, in my opinion. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I, and, look, you, you wonder how the heck did the Bears end up losing to Denver, but, you know, go for right. that one. <laughs> But uh, yeah. Uh, I, real I, quick, Lakina, do you like um Denver's um color rush uniforms? I kind of do. I do. I like it. I, you know, I always look like I like I always like the old orange from the way back in the day during the John uh, Elway uh, Steve Atwater yeah. days. So uh, I remember those uniforms. But yeah, but these are actually pretty cool. But uh, they didn't play. They didn't play very well in, in them. So you may want to burn them. But uh, look, you know, they they ended up getting the last laugh for the Jets. So uh, you know, again, mm-hmm. not the prettiest game, but again, look, the Jets. I mean, we'll see if can put a run together. It's gonna be gonna be a lot. So we'll see what happens. Uh the last game, what was actually one of the Sunday games of the week? You got the Chiefs beating the Vikings 27-20. And um, you know, Patrick Mahomes uh threw for 281 yards and two TDs. Or Kirk Cousins threw for 284 and two TDs. So they was they were pretty even there. Uh Isaiah Pacheco had uh, 55 rushing yards and a, and a TD. They didn't use a Yeah, Isaiah Pacheco ran the ball hard for the Kansas City Chiefs 16 times for 55 yards. He did have a score. Travis Kelsey, who injured his right ankle during the game, he had 10 catches for 67 yards in the score. Uh, I don't think Taylor Swift was there yesterday, so thank goodness we we didn't have to see none of that foolishness. Mm But uh, as we uh, expected, Lakina, as she now rejoins us, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, did what they had to do yesterday. Minnesota had their chances. Um, but they were shut down in the second half, just going that one fourth quarter touchdown. I know there was some controversy uh, later on in that game, but uh, Minnesota could overcome it. Kansas City was just flat out the better team yesterday. Yeah, there, I think there was a pass interference, um, you know, that they thought was pass interference. That should have been. But I think, look, you still have about four, a little over four minutes left. I would say take the points and try to see if your defense could stop Mahomes. I know they've actually did pretty well at it for the, the rest of for most of that second half. So I would say just take the points. But you know, again, that's mm-hmm. just me, but uh, I mean, look, the Minnesota had their chances. They didn't use a run game as much as they should have, and 
you know, they're one and four, you know, they face the Bears at one and four. That's gonna be that's gonna be a doozy of a game. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, but if you're a fantasy football owner, if you have players for both those teams, you should start them. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, it could be a high-scoring uh, game there. Uh, but yeah, look, Kansas City again, not the prettiest game, but look, you know, you, you win it, you, know, you you take it as as a win, and look, you're four and one, you leave Minnesota, and actually now Pat Mahomes is actually now beating all the teams in the NFL. Remember, you know, they, they look, they don't play Minnesota that often, so that's why some people are saying, wait a minute, this was mm-hmm. the, this is the first time Pat Mahomes has played Minnesota. Yep, because. Uh, you know, the word the how this getting worse. So now he mm-hmm. has to be to every team in the NFL, of course, except the Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, so congratulations to Pat Mahomes uh, for accomplishing that feat. Sunday Night Football, Lakina. Yeah. I was yeah. actually ready and signed up to watch this contest. It turned out to be a dud. Uh, the 49ers uh, get it done by defeating the Dallas Cowboys 42-10. The 49ers now 5-0 on the year. The, the Dallas Cowboys Dropped their records to three and two. Brock Purdy, 252 yards and four touchdown passes for the 49ers. Jordan Mason ran the ball real for the uh, red and gold 10 times for 69 yards in a late score. George Kittle, three catches, 67 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah, just a, it was basically like, it, good Lord. I mean, I was looking forward to watching this game. Like by the second quarter, I was like, okay, yeah, this is a, this is a, a laugher. This is a time uh, Brock, uh, Brock Purdy passed for multiple TDs in his First ten uh, starts, he uh, he ties Kurt Warner and Deshaun Watson for uh, accomplishing that feat for the for the most since 1950. Uh, the Cowboys have more points tonight, uh, last night than they had in the first four games of the season combined. They're the first team since the 1990 Raiders to allow more points in their fifth game of the season than they allowed in the first four games combined. And uh, this is actually the worst loss by the Cowboys against the 49ers in that rivalry, 32 points. They got covered all that. Mm. <laughs> uh, I, I heard someone say, I think there was this morning, Lakina. Uh, I think it was Keyshawn Johnson on Undisputed. I don't know why I'm watching that program. I don't know. But he said that uh, I think we said this, too, on, on our show, the last couple of shows, that that the absence of Trayvon Diggs, uh, the, the safety, all pro safety for the Dallas Cowboys, this is where it's going to come to bite the Dallas defense on the back, on the backside because he's very good at what he does, uh, calling all the signal calls for the uh, Dallas Cow- Cowboys defense in the secondary. And you saw last night that George Kittle was matched up on Michael Parsons there, the Cowboys star uh, sack leader. And Kittle ran by him three straight times for those touchdowns. And, uh, the 49ers are off and running now. The 49ers defense forced a, a couple of interceptions from Dak Prescott and it forced a couple of fumbles as well. So that 49ers defense is actually on the roll right, roll right now. The Dallas Cowboys on the flip side offensively uh, shot themselves in the foot. And you, you can see that against better competition, especially with their injuries mounting, and especially on the defensive side of the ball, the 49ers, they, they were that much better. And so that's why you saw the final score that you saw last night. And our guy Brandon Schultz um, asked, the, asked the question, nice to see you, Brandon. He said, who's playing this Thursday on Prime Video? It's the Denver Broncos at the Kansas City Chiefs. So Russell Wilson versus Pat Mahomes. So you know, enjoy that one coming up this Thursday. Now back to wrap up this game from last night. Now, the 49ers, they showed you why they're the best team in the NFC, perhaps the best team in the National Football League next to Kansas City Chiefs. And they have it going on offensively with Brock Purdy, as Lakina just mentioned. He hasn't lost a regular season game uh, in two years. This is the second year in the league, and 
He's not asked to do a lot for Cal Shanahan, the head coach of the 49ers. He's not asking him in terms of Brad Purdy to do too much. You know, they run the ball hard with Christian McCaffrey. You know, he had the fumble. He still had a nice performance last night. And that Dallas defense, you know, they they took they took one in the chin. And you know, they can they recover in time to make the playoffs? I'm not sure, but the, as we say all the time, the NFL season is a week to week league. Now, what were you talking about here? I did my disappearing act again. <laughs> oh, let's talk about the uh, Trayvon Dix's absence. Of course, uh, uh, we, we talked about on the show the last couple of weeks uh, against better teams. His his injury, of course, he's out for the year with a torn ACL. This is going to hurt the Dallas Cowboys defense, especially in the secondary. You saw that last night. George Kittle took advantage of Micah Parsons on mm-hmm. uh, all three of his touchdown uh, catches, and Dak Prescott. Uh, it was the, both those interceptions he threw last night. It was uncalled for. Yeah, I, I believe he didn't do that. Dallas maybe had a crack to get back in the game, but um, Dak Prescott forces the issue one too many one one too many times, and and that's what happened last night. Yeah, just a very like awful performance during that uh, that that whole thing. And like you said, Fred Warner was a beast. He was all over the place. He had what? He mm-hmm. had two sacks, two of those uh, sacks that uh, from. Uh, from Dak, and he also had interception as well. So he was definitely one of the uh, the players of the game. And, and uh, look, the 49ers so far, look, I'm not saying they're going to end up you know, going all the way to the, uh, the Super Bowl, but at least so far, they're looking mm-hmm. really good. I mean, they, they were getting contributions from all over the place. You know, Purdy's looks still looks good. You know, that rushing, you know, still looks great. And and look, I, I think that this could be a, this could be a team to look, no, no, look. It gets a little bit tougher though because they still got to play us, uh, you know, guys in the in the uh, NFC West. But you know, at least so mm-hmm. far, look like one of the best teams in the in the league, if not the not, not just in the in the division, but in the league. Yeah, I believe is 49ers first, Kansas City second, Philadelphia third. Those are my tie three teams in, in the National Football League right now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, real quick, your studs and duds. All right, going back to Thursday, my first stud is DJ Moore. Eight catches, 230 yards, and three touchdowns as the Bears beat the Washington Commanders last Thursday, 40-20. Of course, George Kittle of San Francisco, 42-10 over the Dallas Cowboys as he uh, caught three touchdowns. And my guy on my fantasy team, Travis Etienne, the running back from Jacksonville, 26 carries, 136 yards of rushing and two touchdowns as the Jaguars hold off the Bills, 25-20 in London. Yeah, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna piggyback off that for my first stud. And I'm gonna say Trevor Lawrence. He looks, he's looked really good so far these last couple of games in mm-hmm. London. And uh, again, you know, maybe they should play most of their games in London the rest of the season. So they've actually looked pretty good. So uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm gonna say San Francisco for the reason I mentioned a couple minutes ago. And my last, uh, my last. Oh, okay, I'll you know what? I'll say that the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, look, they've looked really good. Again, was the prettiest the way they did it was a conventional no. Yeah. But, Look, they were able to you look give my talent credit there. They were able to pull it out and now they're leading the AFC North right now. All right. My three does are as follows the Baltimore Ravens offense, that whole Dallas Cowboys team, and of course the New York football giants, they stunk it up. <laughs> oh, you stole a couple of my uh duds. Uh Oh, uh, go right ahead. I don't care. <laughs> well, no, oh, well, well, okay. Well, you know what? I'll just do. I'll just you know, use one. Well, yeah, I, yeah. I think there's really no other does. I mean, you can't really say Houston's a dud because they've actually been playing pretty well. I'll say Tennessee mm-hmm. as one of my does because I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's Tannehill. I don't know if it's you know Derrick Henry. I mean, that defense. You thought that maybe they're actually mm-hmm. a good defense for guys from having no names, but. I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. And the Patriots, like the Patriots are just, oof. I don't know if it's a personnel thing. I don't know if it's, like I said, I don't know if it's a coaching thing, but 
Yeah, it's a little bit of SOS in uh in Foxborough, and uh, like I said, you know, Tom Brady's chilling, uh, watching you know his uh Las Vegas A's. We'll get to him in a second, but yeah, not looking good for them. And uh, like I said, I'll say Baltimore. I'll I'll save myself my breath for uh the, the reasons that you just covered. All right, and tonight the last game on the schedule will be Monday Night Football. We'll feature the Las Vegas Raiders at one and three. The, the site of this year's Super Bowl at Allegiant Stadium, Las, downtown Las Vegas, Nevada, the Las Vegas Raiders were host to 2-2 two two Green Bay Packers. That's at 7.15 Central Standard Time tonight on ESPN, ABC, and ESPN2 will bring the Manning cast. Woo-hoo. So check that out tonight. Should be very interesting. Uh, should be very interesting, though, nonetheless, Packers and Raiders. Uh, our number one in the in the books, our number two straight ahead. As you listen to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago, we're going to do some MLB playoffs, including some interesting potential upsets. Hmm. Also, some uh, very interesting and uh, stand-up performances and some statement uh, games in uh, week six of college football. And uh, Book LaForno from uh, the Hockey Riders will be joining us to preview the Blackhawks and the rest of the NHL season. A lot of news still coming up next. Lakina McGee, Cindy Brown, Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago, Diamond Talk coming up right after this. Do you know that you're in my lane? No, not at all. Are you not paying attention? Are you texting? I was just checking in with my mom. I was telling her that I thought we'd be home by six. It's okay. There's enough time. Just pay attention. I'm not even halfway through my text. There's no way. I'm not even going to look up. My babies are in the car. You have to pay attention. It's just supposed to be a quick text. I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Tom Brady, the director of DoDEA. September is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. The simple act of reaching out and caring for those in our communities is something we all can do. Just being there for someone you care about can be a tremendous first step in getting them access to confidential resources and support that they need. It only takes one person and one small act and one minute to make a difference. Let's make a difference.
Welcome back to our number two of Second City Sports, the Monday edition. We're live in Living Color right here on Sports Zoo Chicago. Along with, with Miss Lakina McGee, which is she, I am Cindy Brownhead. That's me. You can follow me truly on the Twitter, X and the IG, SCK80. Once again, SCK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-A-0. You can follow me by Kina McGee on the Twitter, X and Kina McGee on the IG. We have less than 55 minutes left for this extravaganza. We call it Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can always go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in those questions and comments in the comments section. Lakino will get them up on the screen for you. And just a daily reminder, you can also catch Sports on Chicago now available on Roku TV. And if you're listening to us and watch this for the first time, you're off today. You know, you're welcome. You know, you know, join us. You know, make sure you subscribe. Tell your friends. Uh, we're gonna have to do this rapid fire, Sid. So, uh, you let's go to the MLB playoffs first. Mm-hmm. Uh, the NLD. Well, 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 well you know, let, let's do ALDS since you know they're they're ahead in that that department. They already played their second games, and uh, so uh, well, I mean, look, if we could, depending on how you look at it, yesterday. Uh, the Rangers, bring out the Rangers. They beat the Orioles 11 to eight, and now they're leading the best of five series, uh, two games to none. And look, you know, give credit to that that offense. I mean, they they've been, geez. I mean, Corey Seager, I, I think that he looked really good. I mean, he had a, a you know, he drew a walk for that's the I think the first time that uh, first player in ML history to walk five times. You know, that game yesterday. And look that 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 offense for the Rangers, you know, I mean, look, we they they they're getting hot at the right time. You know, remember they came in and look, they did their mm-hmm. thing. And and the, look, I think having experience, I think that definitely has helped. Yeah. So don't forget about Jordis Garcia and and also too Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager as well. Mm-hmm. So they have some big bets in the line. Don't forget about Nathaniel Lowe as well. But uh, I want to go to the flip side with the Baltimore Orioles. Kyle Bradish actually did a a great job as the starter in game one on Saturday. He kept the Baltimore Orioles in the game, but Baltimore just couldn't get their tying run across when it counted. Of course, yesterday uh, they're starting pitching. Uh, from, they're pitching all around and starting with their starter. Uh, it, it imploded on them. As you mentioned, the Rangers jumped down on them early and never looked back. I'm not going to sit here and say that, that this series is over, but Baltimore, they, they need to, take a page out of Texas book from yesterday, be more of the aggressive team offensively. Cedric Bones leads the top of that lineup. Of course, Adley Rutschman had his first, of course, career home run over the weekend. So Anthony Santander uh, had a home run yesterday. So Baltimore needs to take a page out of the Rangers book and be more aggressive offensively because they, uh, talking about Baltimore, have never led in this series so far. It's been the Rangers through the first two games of this series. Maybe they need to copy off what they've been doing here, and hopefully they can do it down there in uh, Arlington. They can kind of you know, mm-hmm. jump ahead early and see if you can kind of get some momentum and try to win these next two games. The first game five back at Camden Yard, so uh, should be interesting to see what happens. But uh, yeah, the you know, Texas has been looking really good now. On the flip side, though, uh, Minnesota. <laughs> I don't think anybody saw this coming, but they 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 were able to come back and uh, they beat the uh, Astros six to two. And look, it, it again. It was definitely one of another one of those uh, instances where, I, I, and I guess you know, Carlos Correa got a little bit of revenge on his former team. He had three RBIs in that game last night, and uh, yeah, they were. He was on the. He's the main reason why this you know this series go back to the Twin Cities uh, tied at one. 
Yeah, Framer Valdez did not have a great start to uh, for the Houston Astros last night, but he did settle down as the, the game went on. But the Minnesota Twins, uh, they were down big in game one, came back in, in, towards the end of game one, mm -hmm. but uh, they fell short. But they carried that momentum, as many people expected, into last night's game two, and that's why they got the victory on the road. Can Houston win this series? Sure, but I think the Astros being the defending world champs and having a lot of those veterans with a whole lot of pride on that side of the locker room, they're going to come out out of Minnesota, in my opinion, with at least one victory. They have to. They want to stay alive in this mm. series. So I think it's going to be a split in these next two games. Uh, the Astros, even though they've gone through injuries and inconsistencies with their starting pitching, they're still too damn good, especially offensively, uh, to, to play like that. To give Minnesota credit last night, they, as I mentioned, they carried the momentum from Saturday night's loss uh, in game one and delivered in game two. But the Houston Astros are too talented to go out like this. I know Yodon Alvarez had a home run uh, over the weekend, but uh, the Astros just got to bogle down. It really starts with their starting pitching. I think the offense is still going to be there, but it really starts with their starting pitching. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. You know, look, you know, Joseph Verlander had a great start in that game one. That was one of the reasons why, you know, it was actually the less, you know, after that, after he left. I mean, Minnesota, you know, made the run mm -hmm. up. So, uh, you know, the, the, you know, you say Minnesota could probably be easy to be up 2-0 right now as we speak. But, you know, it is interesting. It'll be interesting to see, especially, you know, a pivotal game three coming up. We'll talk more about that in a second. Now, the NL uh, game twos, you know, this will be, they start tonight, come back tonight. Uh, Philadelphia and Air, uh, Atlanta, I should say, at a, Atlanta, I mean, look, I'll be honest. I wasn't surprised that Philly was able to pull it out. I mean, that first game. Look, they these two teams know each other very well. They're both division yeah. rivals. So this is definitely, you know, one of those things where, look, Philadelphia, to their credit, I mean, they, they've they been, look, they, they knew what to do and they knew where, where to go. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, Zach, Zach Wheeler against uh, Max Fried for uh, for Atlanta. This could, I'm not going to say that if Philly, if Philly wins, this is going to be like one of those things where, mm, but – you know, at least so far, this could go to distance. Yeah, this is a definitely must win for Atlanta tonight. As you mentioned, that they did not score now one run on Saturday night. I did watch some of this game live. But as I told you, Lakina, the Atlanta Braves, you cannot be in danger of turning it on and turning it off come playoff time because I know they're one of the first teams to clinch their division. But they couldn't take advantage of runners in, in scoring position, especially in that fifth inning. You thought they had a chance to get back into it. Austin Riley strikes out uh, with two men on base. Spencer Strider actually didn't pitch that bad for Atlanta, but you know it was the lack of offense that hurt the Braves at the end of the day. Uh, just like I said about Baltimore a few minutes ago, Atlanta needs to be more aggressive tonight and, and get to Zach Wheeler early. And Max Free. I think he's going to be fine as the Atlanta Braves starter. I, th I think he's going to keep the Braves in the ballgame. But it starts up being aggressive, especially on the base pass tonight for the Atlanta Braves. Not just Ronald Cunha Jr., but Ozzy Ablis and Austin Riley. Uh, stop, stop swinging and missing with men on base and uh, put the bat on the ball. If the Braves can do that tonight, I think they'll be okay. And this series will be tied yeah, up at one. Yeah, it should be very interesting to see what happens with that because I really think, like I said, this could go to distance because these two teams know each other so well. Now, mm -hmm. in the, in a, the other NLDS uh, series, uh, Arizona, we'll see if they can continue rolling. Uh, they just hammer Clayton Kershaw. Uh, six, six, uh, he's not what, five hits and five runs before you even record an outing. You know, overall, he ended up being pulled by the end of that first inning. 
And uh, look, I don't know if they can keep it up, but if you're the Dodgers, I mean, look, you got Bobby Miller who's been up. You know, you got Zach Gallen for uh, for Arizona. If you're the Dodgers, you want to try and you know use that, use some of use some of the experience that you guys have. You know, guys like Mookie Betts and uh, Freddie mm-hmm. Freeman. You know, you want to try to jump on Gallen early and give your give Miller some wiggle room. That way, he wants to be the the pressure won't be on him to try to kind of get it going as if the bullpen. Luckily, they had a few days off to kind of you know get things you know kind of like you know mm-hmm. shape up again. But if you're the Dodgers, you better wake up because you know Arizona they're they're not going away anytime soon. So far, the Arizona Diamondbacks, as we talked about on Friday, Lakina, they're playing with house money. Of course, they swept the Brewers two games to none in that wild card series on the road. Of course, they start this series once again on the road in Los Angeles, and they put up a nine spot, as you mentioned, in that first inning. And then we say on Friday, Lakina, it depends on how this series goes. It could be Clayton Kershaw's last start in the Dodger uniform. I'm still not ready to say that yet, but it kind of feels that way if Arizona still continues to play like this. But uh, the Diamondbacks, as you mentioned, jumped down on him early. They were aggressive. They took advantage of a couple of miscues, especially with James, rookie James Allen, the rookie outfielder in center field. He bobbled the ball early, which he should have caught, and uh, Arizona put up a couple of runs after that on the board. And, of course, the snowball came from there. But as you mentioned for tonight, this is rookie uh, pitcher Bobby Miller's best chance to uh, – this is his first playoff start, and the Dodgers need to feed off of him, help him out offensively, like you said. But Bobby Miller needs to pitch almost perfect zeros uh, uh, with the innings he's potentially going to pitch tonight. He's got to put up zeros on the board. And like you mentioned, Zach uh, Gallon on the flip side, he's one of the best – uh, pitchers in the National League that people are not talking about because it's Arizona. They're not a flashy team. But I kind of like this matchup for Arizona, Lakina. But if the Dodgers, and let me, let me say this right now, if the Dodgers do not score at least two runs through the first three innings, I think Arizona's going to win this ballgame. Because it, as we said on Friday, Arizona's playing with house money. No one has expected them to do what they did on Saturday. No one expected them to make it to the playoffs. No one expected them to beat Milwaukee, but they're playing with confidence. They're playing with house money. No one is picking them to do anything, and maybe that's a good for good thing for this young squad because they don't know any better, and they, they're just um, worried about each other in that locker room. I think that's a good thing. Interesting to see if, if you're the Dodgers. Try to you know get a quick start so that way you can kind of like – you know, sort of get a chokehold and maybe perhaps maybe control this series. So it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. if those guys step up. Now going to the schedule for oh well, what was that? Uh, <laughs> you know, going to the schedule for this week, of course, you know, Phillies and Braves and Arizona and uh the Dodgers. Both game both these games are gonna be on TBS, 507 and 807 respectively, uh Chicago time. Tomorrow these games will be on Fox, part of the their doubleheader. You got Houston and Minnesota. A pivotal game three there at Target Field. Then you got Baltimore and Texas. Uh, Christian Javier and Sonny Gray for uh, Houston and Minnesota. Now, Baltimore has not said who they're going to pitch yet, but they will be facing uh, Nathan Evaldi, so that's going to be a very uh, tough out for them. We'll see if Texas can uh, close the series out. On Wednesday, you got Houston and Minnesota. Game three of that series on FS1. Game four. Yeah. Yeah, game four. Oh, game four. What's that? Game four. Uh, this is who we necessary because they're both tied at two at one at one hundred seven mm-hmm. on Wednesday. You got Atlanta, and Philadelphia. We'll see how that series is. Well, this could could this be for game? You know, Phillies. You know, try to clinch it, or maybe it'll be a pivotal game three. We'll see. Uh, that'll be on mm-hmm. TBS. Uh, if necessary, assuming uh, Baltimore and Texas. We'll see how that series is. <laughs> and again, assuming if necessary, uh, if well, a gate, well, game three. We'll see if this will be a pivotal game. 
a pivotal one, you know, with the series tied at two, or could Arizona be clinching it? We'll see. That would be on TBS at 8.07 as your schedule for this week in MLB. All right, you're listening to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago City. Lakina hanging out here with you. Coming up at the bottom of the out, real preview, the 2023-2024 Blackhawks with our uh, new friend from the HockeyWriters.com, Miss Brooke LaForna. Uh, she's going to hop on with us uh, to, uh, to see if she feels to kind of Badar vibes like we do. And, see, and Ask her what does she expect out of this young Blackhawks team this season in and perhaps ask her um, some other things that she expects to see throughout this uh, as the NHL season starts tomorrow. So, Lakina, before we get to that, let's talk some college football. Uh, we'll start out with the Red Rivalry game, Lakina. I, I think you talked about this on Friday that uh, both these teams, uh, Oklahoma and Texas, will be moving to the SEC next season. Over there, rivalry will still be going on strong, but it's going to be tough because you have better competition in the SEC. But this game down to the the team who had the ball last, Lakina, it was Oklahoma State, and and, and their quarterback, uh, he ran <clears throat> he ran rush out all over that Texas defense, uh, pulling out a close win. Yeah, Dylan Gabriel, 285 yes. yards and a, and a touchdown. Also 113 rushing yards and a touchdown. Of course, uh, Tawani Walker had uh, 46 rushing yards for OU. And, of course, uh, Jaleel Farouk had 130 uh, yards uh, you know, rece- uh, receiving on the flip side for Texas. He had Quinton Ewers, 346 yards <laughs> and a touchdown, but also he had two interceptions. Jonathan Brooks, uh, 129 yards, uh, rushing yards and a TD. Uh, Jordan Withington, of course, 115 yards uh, for uh, for on the losing end for Texas. I mean, look, I think Dylan Gabriel's kind of give you a reason why maybe he's his name should be in the Heisman race. And uh, look, you saw what happened last year: 45, or no, it was 49. Nothing. I think Gabriel got hurt in that game, and of course, you know, things kind of went sort of you know off, fell off the rails for Oklahoma after that different different time this year. 34-30. Look, these two teams could be facing each other again for the Big 12 title coming up in December. Get a lot, a lot of game to a lot of uh, season left still to go, but uh, this is another classic uh, Red River uh, rivalry game. I mute, I mute, you're on mute, you're on mute, you're on mute, you're on mute. Sorry about the. Ooh, there we go. <laughs> oh, what were you saying? <laughs> can you hear me now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Okay, yeah, uh, my apologies, folks. But remember, I said last week that I thought Texas was the number one team in the country. I have a new number one team in the country. I'll uh, give you my answer on that in just a moment. But the Texas uh, Longhorns defense, they got shredded, as you mentioned, by Daniel Gabriel. And not only did he threw the ball down the field a lot, but he ran the ball, too, especially the first uh, couple of uh, drives of the ball game for the Sooners. And the Texas, you can tell they were nervous when they came out in their first two offensive possession. It resulted, uh, though, both those possessions resulted in turnovers and Oklahoma turned into seven early points. And you could tell that Texas, they were trying to play catch-up uh, throughout that game. They took the lead late, but their defense, um, I don't know if it was fatigue or just Oklahoma just had their number uh, that day, in which they did. But maybe it was a combination of the two. Uh, Oklahoma got the best of them at the end. I still believe that Texas is a good team, but the defense really took one on the chin. Yeah, Dylan Gabriel basically shredded that uh, Texas defense. But like I said, look, these two teams could be playing again in another in a couple of months. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Uh, Oak, uh, Ohio State uh, 
pulled away from uh Tulia and uh and Maryland 37-17. They kept it close for a little bit. I'm talking about Maryland, but you know, there was a couple of uh you know, a couple of turnovers by Tulia Tugavaiola mm-hmm. and also to uh you know Kyle McCord through in 20 uh past the yards and two TDs. Uh Mar- uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. had 163 uh, receiving yards and a TD. So uh, very uh, nice showing there by Ohio State. Doing what you're supposed to against a team at home, though. It's a little bit scrappy. Yeah, the, the, the Buckeyes spotted Maryland a 10, uh, early 10-0 lead. They, uh, Ohio State came back and scored uh, uh, scored a couple of touchdowns to end the first half and to begin the second half. Marvin Harrison Jr., as you mentioned, uh, hopefully a future Chicago Bear he had eight catches and with a touchdown, 163 yards. But Lakina, it's all about the Ohio State defense. I know not too many people talk talk about it, but they really got after it in that second half. Cost a couple more turnovers, and which really gave the Ohio State Buckeyes uh, that much more confidence on the offensive end. Georgia, uh, no trouble with uh, Kentucky. Uh, Carson Beck uh, threw for 389 yards, and uh, some people thought that this was going to be a tough one for. Uh, for Georgia, uh, but uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, they, had, they had other ideas. Uh, back through for uh, four TDs, and then, look, that defense, they kept uh, Ray Davis at bay, only only 59 rushing yards, so, uh, and 173 yards total for the Georgia uh, rushing uh, attack. They had pretty much everybody uh, there, including Beck himself, so, uh, you know, hey, look, yo, I think Georgia's saying, hey, look, we're not giving up the number one ranking just yet. Yeah, even though I don't have them as my number one team in the country, they did what they had to do. They put Kentucky away early. Kentucky had a couple of bad penalties early, which took them out of the game. They shut down Ray Davis from Kentucky. He only had 15 carries for 59 yards as Kentucky trailed throughout the entire game. They gave up 34 first-half points. That's not going to get it done. But a shout-out to uh, Brock Bowers for the University of Georgia. They big stud tight end. He had seven catches for 132 yards in the score. Big showing there. Uh, Michigan uh, took care of business against Minnesota. Florida State also. That's my new number one team in the country. Yeah, I, look, I, look, I told you. Look, Michigan. You know, look, they got it all set right now. Look, they're they're playing a little of these tougher schedules. Got a little, they got another tough one coming up on Saturday. So uh, we'll see. We'll talk more about that on Friday. Uh, Florida State took care of business against uh, Vodtech. USC, uh, uh, Arizona, child. Lord. <laughs> Uh, 43 of 41 over Arizona triple overtime. That USC defense, oh, Jesus, I okay. <laughs> they're not gonna look, let's just say that they're not gonna win. Uh, uh, they're not gonna go to the playoff nor win the uh, the Pac 12 with that defense. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just like it. last year. I'm just saying, so, sounds like the same script to me. Yeah, Big Ten, they actually play defense, so uh, you know. But uh, look, I know our girl Christine Manica isn't very happy about this. Uh, her Northern Fine Irish uh, lose to Louisville 33-20. And uh, look, you know, look, I think this is the first big test. I mean, Jack Plummer uh, threw for 145 yards and one TD, but it was Jahar uh, Jordan had 143 uh, rushing yards and two TDs. Sam Hartman had three interceptions. And if you remember last year when he was at Wake Forest, they have four interceptions. I think that he was like, like four times, had like three interceptions. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, Louisville, this is another uh, top 10 team. They, they defeated back to back season for the first time in their program history. Um, yeah, sort of a similar thing. You know, you know they, he, you know, Harmon has uh, 10 turnovers in 17 games. Two of those games uh, were against uh, non, uh, well, against Louisville. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm sure that snaps a uh, Notre Dame's 30 game uh, regular season win streak versus ACC, too. 
Yeah, and shout out to Jamari Thrash of Louisville as well. He had a big game, eight catches for 75 yards and a big score. Uh, Louisville, uh, they took it to the woodshed with Notre Dame in the second half, scoring 26 points in the second half uh, to come away with that 50. I thought that Louisville would have a chance, Lakina. Well, like you said, they took advantage of the of the three turnovers that uh, that Sam Harbin threw for Notre Dame, and so they converted them into points. That's what it's all about. If you want to pull off a victory, it gets a big program in your own backyard. Absolutely, doing what you're supposed to do. Look, Jeff Rom's doing a great job back there. He's all about alma mater. So uh, this is a brand new team. So uh, you know, congrats to one of their biggest wins uh, of the season so far. Uh, Alabama mm-hmm. and Texas A&M, they held them off 26-20. Starting to kind of figure things out for Alabama. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see if they can, you know, kind of like get it going. I know that AM had a couple of chances too late, but they weren't able to pull it off. So, uh, look, we'll see if yep. uh, Alabama has figured it out. Yeah, uh, Mr. Miroll for Alabama, their star quarterback, Jalen Miroll, had 321 yards, passing three touchdowns in the pick. It looks like he's starting to figure things out. You know, he struggled the first couple of weeks uh, when, uh, when Nick Seven gave him the keys to the car. All you ask them to do is not to wreck the car. Just uh, don't strip the gears. Just keep it on cruise control. Uh, don't turn the football over because Alabama has a strong running game and they have a, a, a strong defense. As long as you do those three three things, Alabama will win. Our, as we talked about all year long, is this one of their strongest teams on paper that's going to jump out at you? No, but they're doing what they have to do to keep on winning. UCLA, uh, probably uh, Chip Kelly's be- uh, biggest win since uh, you know becoming coach of, of UCLA. They beat uh, Washington State, giving them their first loss this season, 25-27. Uh, Cam Ward, uh, they you know threw two interceptions. I think they were like you know four to- four turnovers in total. That UCLA defense, uh, Dante Moore had uh, threw for two hundred nine yards, uh, had two two interceptions himself, but he did have a touchdown and uh, also two Carson Steele had one hundred forty rushing yards. Uh, for them, uh, could get the rushing game going. They could get their offense going. You know, they they did, but they, it was too little, too late. So, uh, big win for uh, the Bruins. Yeah, shout out Chip Kelly. Now they the Bruins improved their record to four and one on the year. Washington State, which ranked number thirteen, they had their first loss of the season. I want to get to this next game quickly, Lakina. I know we're trying to breeze through this, but. Number 14, North North Carolina, uh, they destroyed Syracuse 40-7. to Drake May, my, he's in my top three for the uh, Heisman uh, candidacy. He had 442 yards passing along with three touchdowns. And Nate McCollum for the Tar Heels has seven catches for 135 yards. Kevin Tez Walker back. We, I think he had like, like I think like a hundred, like eighty some yards. You know, rush, uh, receiving yards. His first game mm-hmm. back. So having him back will definitely help. You know, Drake May and pad his stats. So uh, look, they can get yeah. it going here. I mean, we'll see what happens. Uh, Oregon State, no trouble with Cal. Ole Miss, uh, it was kind of back and forth, but they pull away from uh, Arkansas. Uh, Miami, uh, yeah. Oh, they choke. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Along with their quarterback too, Van Dyke. Oh. Good grief. Yeah. Uh, they have no way to lose. Uh, they had the game in hand. You know, they had Georgia, no, no timeouts left. They took a knee. If it said they said to rush it, and then, you know, Georgia Tech, their credit forced a fumble. A couple plays later, they scored a touchdown. And, uh, yeah, Mario Cristobal, yeah, you're going to, you know, he he said this morning, if you heard uh, some, uh, I heard uh, some uh, radio stuff in South Beach, but, uh, yeah, he's got to eat this one. Uh, yeah, this hopefully this does demoralize him, but it's going to be, oh, gosh. Yeah, it uh, was tough. I did watch some of that game, uh, looking in that first half. Georgia Tech was at, in Georgia Tech, they were playing their hearts out, and, and they, uh, they Miami was close, really yeah. shooting themselves 
in the foot, as I mentioned, with Van Dyke with his three interceptions on the night. Uh, that defense was really getting after it. And when you let young teams like that that have no business hanging around hang around, stuff like this happens. Yeah, no excuse after coming off a bye. So uh, Miami, they're going to have to eat this one. Hopefully, that's going to bite them in the butt after going to ACC, uh, you know, close to close to the championship. Uh, LSU beats the fighting Mike Burmas. I was, I actually did a check in with our, our buddy, uh, you know, but look, Jane Jane Daniels, to his credit, I mean, you know, he was baited up a little bit, you know, you know came back, and uh, I don't know if he took some secret stuff, you know, when he came back, but look, 25 yards, uh, 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 Receiving uh, three yards and uh, three TDs. You also had a rushing. You you also rushed for 130 yards and a touchdown. So he basically took the team on his back, and they were able to get the best of Mizzou. Yeah, Mizzou uh, did play well, but it was the, the two interceptions that Brady Cook threw um, toward the end of that game, which uh, gave breathing room to LSU to go ahead and take that game by 10 points on the road. But it, it, for for the Tigers, it was all about their running game. And Logan Dix, he had 24 carries for 134 yards and a score. And you talk about uh, their quarterback, Lakinan, but it's their running game is going to get that offense going for the LSU Tigers. Definitely going to be very interesting to see if, you know, that could be definitely be a, that could be a little bump that uh, <laughs> that Brian Kelly needed for uh, that squad. So we'll see what happens with that. Northern Illinois uh, beat uh, Akron and uh, also two Northwestern uh, held off Howard. I was here hard for the Bison. You know, that's all I'm going to say. I know. <laughs> Wisconsin uh, beat Rutgers, and uh, that's it. Oh, and uh, Fresno State lost to Wyoming. Wyoming, uh, they gave them their first win, the first loss of the season on Fresno State. In the Colorado Buffaloes, Deion Sanders, head coach, prime time. Uh, they get their fourth win of the season, snapping a two-game losing streak, uh, beating Arizona State in the last second field goal, 27-24. I do agree with Deion Sanders, what he said after the game. Uh, Colorado played like crap. I watched that whole game in its entirety. They did play like crap. But the Arizona uh, State Sun Devils, their defensive line, that's what kept uh, that team in the ball game. Look! Look what happened against USC. I mean, look, no one thought. Look, the Arizona State. Mm-hmm. Defense, look, they look. They're playing with house money. They're not going to a bowl game. So, uh, look, they're going to be t- giving the rest of the Pac-12 a lot of fits. So, great uh, matches coming up in the Pac-12. But we'll talk about that on Friday as we got our girl, our new girl, Brooke Conforto, uh, from the Hockey Riders to preview uh, the Blackhawks and also the rest of the NHL. We'll see if you know, Mr. Connor Bedard, what's his ceiling is for this season. And a whole lot more. Lakina McGee, Sydney Brown, Second Season Sports on Sports on Chicago. We talk pucks coming up right after this. that you're in my lane? No, not at all. Are you not paying attention? Are you texting? I was just checking in with my mom. I was telling her that I thought we'd be home by six. It's okay. There's enough time. Just pay attention. I'm not even halfway through my text. There's no way. I'm not even going to look up. My babies are in the car. You have to pay attention. It's supposed to be a quick text. I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Tom Brady, the director of DODEA. September is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. The simple act of reaching out and caring for those in our communities is something we all can do. Just being there for someone you care about can be a tremendous first step in getting them access to confidential resources and support that they need. 
It only takes one person and one small act and one minute to make a difference. Let's make a difference. Welcome back to Second City Sports on Sports of Chicago. I'm Akina McGee. You can follow me at Akina McGee on the Twitter and I can't again the IG. You can follow your Shirley Sydney Brown on the Twitter, X and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's SIDKID80. That's SIDKID80. We have less than a half hour left of this extraordinary program we call the Sports Talk Radio Show. You have it. If you have any questions or comments for us, especially now, we're going to talk that hockey since the 2023 2024 season. Uh, I don't want to say tip off tomorrow, but it kicks off tomorrow. You can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in those questions or comments in the comment section. Lagina will get them up on the screen for you. All right. So one of the things that we were wanting to do for, and we were doing just that through throughout this you know, this year so far, mm-hmm. is bringing in new people and just just to new friends. So we have a new friend coming up right now. You can follow her and listen to her as she does you know write articles for more the Blackhawks and the rest of the NHL as well. Also on the hockey writers, um, she is the one, the only, the lovely Miss Brooke Laforno. Brooke, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. No problem, no problem. Now, uh, how excited are you for the Blackhawks? I don't think I've been this jazzed up for the Hawks season in quite some time, in the last few years, I think. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm pretty excited. I think the last couple years, I think most people were pretty apathetic about the team because you could tell there was just kind of nothing there. There wasn't really a lot to look forward to. I mean, you could see maybe signs with draft picks and stuff, but you wanted to see kind of the progress there. So I am, I'm really excited. I think with Connor Bedard and all their draft picks and especially the people they brought in this year, I think it'll be fun. I don't think they'll be very good. I mean, good enough to be a playoff team, but I think they'll be watchable. And I think that's what people want just for them to be entertaining. <laughs> yeah. To go forward, we must go back. Brooke, uh, where were you when, when, <laughs> when that big announcement uh, was was posted that Conor Bedard will, will where, first of all when the Blackhawks will was announced that the Blackhawks will get the number one pick and where were you when Conor Bedard was uh, was officially named a Blackhawk in that 2023 NHL draft? 
Uh, I was actually in my living room during the draft lottery. And what's funny was I was pretty um, convinced that they would probably get fourth or fifth. I think that's where their odds were. So I really wasn't expecting mm -hmm. much. And then I think it was just a bunch of like when they were like, and the Blackhawks won the draft lottery. It was like, oh, my gosh, it was like insane. I will <laughs> probably never forget that night. It was just so much fun. And then same thing um, when the Blackhawks drafted them. I was uh, watching it from my living room. And I think we were all just waiting for them to say, Oh, the Blackhawks select Connor Bedard. So that was, I think both nights were really, really fun. I, I think as a writer, or even as a fan of the team, those are just things you just will remember for, I think, forever. Yeah, and you know, he's a very, like, engaging young man, you know, kind of like, you know, very even keel. I mean, I think, you know, when someone walked on the Indian head in the locker room, he, he, he kind of gave you, you, people saw it. You, I'm sure you all saw it. You kind of gave it, like a weird look. I'd be like, really, you really do, you're doing that. So he's learning pretty quick, you know, kind of the ropes of how you have, you know, they do things down there. So do you how what do you think his ceiling is? I mean, I know again, there's going to be a lot of pressure on him. You know, uh, he's going to be on national television <laughs> tomorrow. So, uh, what do you think? You know, I think he seems like you know, kind of got to that kind of handle all the attention that's, that's being thrown at him. So I'm kind of like on the side of like, I'm not expecting him to come out and score a hundred points in his first season. Like I think some expectations for him are way too like out there, maybe too much pressure even for him, even though he's fantastic. But I think I said on one of my shows that I thought that like a Maddie Beneers ceiling being like 57 mm -hmm. points was at least max. I think of course he's capable of way more, but I could see him hitting probably that 57 close to 60. And like I said, probably even higher, but like I said with him, I'd be happy if he finished the season, even with five points, I really wouldn't care. I'd just be happy to watch him. I'm just, yeah, like I said, I, I think his ceiling is really high, but like I said, I'm just looking forward to watching him no matter what that looks like. <laughs> uh, with a star, like a potential superstar, like Connor Bardar, you have to surround yourself with the veterans veterans i know many black Hawks fans are upset that they brought in Corey perry of course from the tampa bay uh, lightning yeah. of course his days from uh, the anaheim ducks of course they brought in taylor hall as well talk to us about the importance of those two veterans uh getting miss madara uh, set for a routine to play in the nhl um, I think they're super important. I think they talk even in the NHL just in general about how important veterans are. And I think a lot of people sometimes even like with the Blackhawks and all their exciting prospects, people are like, I really want to see the prospects and that's fine. But for right mm -hmm. now, obviously you can see how important the veterans are. I think even Taylor Hall, I think is super important. He's a former number one overall pick. He understands mm -hmm. Connor Bedard. He mm -hmm. understands the pressure. He knows kind of what's going on. And obviously he's a former MVP, knows the game very well, very good player. Mm -hmm. Everyone really loves to play with him. They seem like they really enjoy playing together. Same with Corey Perry. He's beloved everywhere he's been, I think, so far, even though as a Blackhawks fan, I think some Blackhawks fans probably didn't like him very much when he was on Anaheim there. But, mm -hmm. I mean, the, his resume speaks for itself. Uh, the players love him. Players respect him. And he's been one of probably their most um, productive players even in the preseason. So, um, yeah, I say I really like their veteran presence this year, even with Tyler Johnson and Nick Foligno and Jason Dickinson. I think yeah. they got a really kind of solid core um, for this year. So Connor Bedard will have a lot to learn from and a lot of people to lean on, too. What about head coach Luke Richardson? I mean, we we look, we saw some of the, the fights that he got into back in the day. He was definitely a bruiser, you know, but actually been pretty solid, you know, especially from the you know, place that they were uh, a couple of years ago. He's been kind of like the guy that's sort of like keeping everything kind of like in check. You know, how do you think he's going to, you know, be, you know, coaches, someone like Bedard, some of the, actually this whole team all together, can they, you know, try to at least have like, you know, the groundwork to make that next step? 
Yeah, I'm a big fan of Luke Richardson. I didn't know what to think when they first um, hired him. I, but I didn't really know what much about him, to be fair. But I really do like what he's done so far with the team. I like, obviously, you could tell the players play hard for him. Even last year, they were not good, but they were competitive um, most nights. And that's what you want to see, even from a team that struggles. And I think Patrick Kane kind of described him as, like, he never gets too high or too low. Like he's pretty even keeled. And obviously I think the players respond well to that. And even with Connor Bedard, I think like he had mentioned something about like, I want to make sure Connor Bedard's having fun. Like Connor Bedard takes the game very seriously and he's very passionate and he wants to do well, but he wants to make sure he's also having fun. So I do think I really like his influence a lot. And I think that will be really important to this team going forward. I don't know in my mind, I don't know if they're going to keep Luke Richardson when they're actually Stanley Cup contenders. I still am, I have no clue what they're going to do, though, or if he's just more of a development coach for right now to kind of get that team to the next level. But for right now, I think he's doing a great job. And I think, like I said, this year especially will be really important to the team. We're hanging out with Brooke Laferno. Uh, she's the Blackhawks writer from the hockeywriters.com on the Monday edition of Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago City. Keena hanging out here with you, previewing the upcoming 2023-2024 season for our Chicago Blackhawks. Brooke, let's focus on some of the other young guys besides Conor Bredar, who could potentially make an impact this season. You have Boris Kachuk, Lucas Reichel, who's been making um, very much a positive noise throughout the preseason, and McKenzie and Whistle as well. Talk about those three gentlemen, and what do you expect from them this season? Lucas Reichel, I'm just really excited about his potential. I think he kind of started out a little bit slow once he got recalled from Reichel, or once he got recalled from the Rockford um, Ice Hogs last year. He was really kind of just uh, wasn't as consistent. Then he really got consistent towards the end of the year and really, I think, showed out. And then this year, especially now that they moved him to center, I already think he's going to have a great offensive year. And now that they moved him to center, that's a little more pressure on his plate, but I'm really excited to see how he does. He did pretty well in the role during the preseason, so I'm really excited. I think he is definitely one to watch. Um, I think he's going to have a fantastic year, especially on the second line, which I think is where he'll mostly be. So, yeah, definitely look out for him. And Mackenzie Entwistle, I am yeah. so proud of him. He's yes. – yeah, I'm so proud of Mackenzie and Twistle because I had no, I didn't really have expectations for him going into training camp. I didn't know if he'd make the team, if I'm being completely honest with you, just because of the numbers <laughs> game. But he's done, I think, just spectacular. He's been scoring goals in the preseason, and he's probably been one of their best forwards in my mind, or in my, or from what I've seen. Um, so I think he's definitely earned. Um, the right uh, to be on the team uh, this year. Um, so I'm really excited to see how he does because, like I said, he's earned it. He looks like a different player, and he's still really young. So I'm really happy for him, and I'm a big fan of him. I think he's a great guy. And yeah. Boris, yeah, and Boris Kachuk, um, he's, in my mind, he's kind of just uh, – he's more just of a depth forward. I don't really see him hitting a high ceiling. He kind of just was what he was. He had a good end of the season last year, um, found a scoring touch on the third line, but – Overall, I think he and Entwistle probably could kind of switch off. I don't think he'll be an everyday player, but um, of course, probably one to watch too, as he'll be someone kind of fighting for ice time during the season. What about Seth Jones? I know that he got the you know, got that you know big money. He's been kind of been up and down. So, where do you think? What do you think his is will be this year? So his first season with the Blackhawks, uh, he had over fifty points, and then last year he was in the thirty point range. So he kind of dipped. But I think his ceiling this year will obviously be a lot better uh, for him, especially if he's playing consistently with his ice time because he gets so much ice time, especially if he's playing with someone like Bedard. I do think those assists and points will be up. Um, I, I'm personally a fan of Seth Jones. I know a lot of people are kind of 
um, iffy on Seth Jones, but um, I do think what he can provide, especially with his ice time and stuff, has been really good. And last year I thought he ended on a high note, even though he kind of struggled throughout the season. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, overall I wouldn't be surprised to see him go back into the 50s, maybe 60-point range this season. Sid? Sid? Yeah, with all with all the names that we mentioned earlier with uh, Connor Bedard, can you guys hear me? Yeah, we hear you. Yeah. Can, can you hear me, Lakina? Yes, okay. yes. Okay, I just want to ask Brooke this. Uh, we talked about Connor Bedard, some of the younger guys earlier. Of course, you don't want to hear about, uh, see the, the whole Rockford Icehawks team uh, up at once uh, on the big league um, club, but I know there's a potential a couple other guys that are supposed to hopefully come up during, uh, throughout the um, uh, during the part of the season, what are those names that other Hawks, the Hawks fans should expect to um, make their debuts uh, later on this season? Um, I think, do you know what's funny is like you kind of mentioned, I think everyone has such a great, I thought a lot of people had a great chance of making the team out of camp, but mm. I will be surprised if they don't have at least four of those players from training camp up this year. I'm thinking of like Nolan Allen. I'm even thinking maybe David Gust could come back maybe to the team if someone gets hurt, kind of like he did last year. Colton Doc, I know he actually uh, made the team. Um, I think they didn't send him down. And then Isaac Phillips, for sure, I think we'll get a look this year. So, yeah, I'm I'm actually excited. I think Rockford as a whole will be a really good team this year, especially kind of with players like Marcel Marcel and Anders Bjork. So, um, but I do think we'll see a lot of Rockford um, players, and I think those will be really crucial, especially down the stretch probably when we get into, like, February, March. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the rest of the NHL, uh, Brooke, because I, I kind of feel like, you know, like with everything else, you know, NHL has kind of snuck up on people. So who do you think are the favorites? Of course, you got you know, the Vegas Knights, you know, the defending, uh, well, Stanley Cup champs. So, but, yeah, are there any sleepers you're looking at maybe perhaps? Do you know what? From watching this preseason, I really got my eye on the Devils. The New Jersey Devils, I just think, are a juggernaut. Um, I really enjoy watching them. I I think they had a good run last year, so that's a team I'm definitely following. And definitely Dallas, the Dallas Stars. It's always, like, in my mind, I feel like they're always in there. Haven't really taken that kind of next step, though. So I'm looking at Dallas for sure as well. Uh, we, uh, we're heading down the home stretch with Brooke LaFerno from the hockeywritings.com. She covers the Blackhawks for that great web, website. Uh, we, she's hanging out with us right here on Sports Zone Chicago, Second City Sports. Sid Lakina here with you. Brooke, let's uh, stick over with the rest of the conference. Of course, you saw what happened with the Edmonton Oilers last year. Uh, Conrad David had the, the season of seasons. Uh, what do you expect from him this year? Do you think that the Edmonton Oilers will finally take home the elusive Stanley Cup? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. You know what? I don't see them winning the Stanley cup this year. They're like one team. I think that I, they have all the star power in the world, but they can't figure out their defense or their goaltending. And I think that's what, I think they're actually a pretty good example to the league that you can have the top scorers in the league, but it doesn't mean nothing if you don't have a complete team, it's a team sport. Mm-hmm. For a reason. So I think they will be competitive for the Stanley cup this year, obviously with Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and stuff, but I don't see them winning the cup this year. Oh, Oh boy, do you see and the Canadian teams? Because we went about the over 30 years since the Canadian team has won the Stanley Cup. So <laughs> yeah. do you think that do you think anyone has a shot? Like maybe yeah, Toronto, which would be the first time for them in you know years and Montreal. I know they, they were they were close to making the playoffs last year. <laughs> do you see any of the Canadian teams perhaps maybe making some noise? 
I honestly do think Toronto. I think out of all the Canadian teams, I would probably say Toronto is the best chance, and that's just my opinion. They're one team that, to me, is flawless on paper. Maybe their goaltending is a little could be a little better, but honestly, I think they got the team to do it. But and I think that's been their problem is I think they have the team to do it, but they've never been able to put it together. So. I do think they have a good chance this year. I really do actually like their team a lot this year with Max Domi and Tyler Bertuzzi. I think they've added some really good players, and especially Matthew Nyes, that one rookie who I think is really good. So, yeah, I think they got a good chance. They're probably the one Canadian team I think has the um, probably closest chance of winning the Cup. Staying with the Eastern Conference, uh, Brooke, of course, Pittsburgh and Washington both missed the playoffs last year. Of course, I know Alexander Vection had a death in the family last year, and that was part of it. And, of course, they struggled with goaltending. I'm talking about the Washington Capitals. Do you see one of both of those teams uh, making the playoffs uh, this upcoming season? Um, the Capitals, to me, have kind of been on a downslope for a bit now, and I think last year – kind of showed it. Um, I don't, I still think the Eastern Conference is pretty loaded. So I think they'll have their work cut out for them for sure. But obviously with Alex Ovechkin and Nicholas Backstrom and TJ Oshie, I guess you can't always count out the Capitals, but I think they'll have a harder path this year. Um, The Penguins, I do think will uh, make it. I think it was kind of a fluke that they did not last year. And I know that the Blackhawks, I think, kind of sealed their fate last year. um, A great tank win. (laughs) Yes. Exactly, exactly. So, um, yeah, I thought that was kind of fluky. So I'll be surprised <laughs> if they don't make it. I know they got kind of an older team, but they still got talent. So I'll be surprised if they don't. What about the Kraken? I, the, the Sid knows how much I love that Seattle Kraken team. They were able to. They made all the way to the conference. Excuse me, they made all the way to the conference finals last year, and and I and I think they could kind of like you know be sort of like they're no longer the hunt hunter. They're not a hunted. So what do you think about the Kraken chances going up pretty far this year? Oh, I like the Kraken a lot, too. I'm with you. I just think they're such a fun team. Again, I thought they probably even overplayed um, kind of their kind of maybe expectations last year. I don't know if many people had them getting past the avalanche. So I and that was me. That was during my um, when I did my Stanley Cup bracket. I did not. So I think they could only get better. So that was I think was a good kind of showing last year. So I'm really excited. I do think they have the team to go pretty far this year, especially with Maddie Beniers taking another step. They still got Jordan Eberle, um, Andre Burakovsky, just all those players. I, I really like their depth. I do think maybe they need like one really like prime score, but overall I like their team a lot and I like their potential. Okay. Last question for me, Brooke, before we spring you, how did you get started in writing about the Blackhawks for the hockeywriters.com? And where did that passion come from? Not just for watching sports, but for watching hockey in particular. So my dad actually grew up playing hockey. Um, He's always loved hockey. I got two brothers, but they never actually played hockey. But my dad um, always had the Blackhawk games on, and I never really got into it, I don't think, until high school-ish, around high school, um, where I really kind of learned the game, and he kind of taught me a lot about the game. Um, So, And what's funny was I think I got more into it in 2013, uh, when the Blackhawks won against the Bruins, I was really intrigued, honestly, by the whole sport itself, the travel, the play. And that's kind of what kind of got me into it at first, which is kind of funny. Mm-hmm. But um, with the hockey writers, it, that was kind of, I think, just a, um, I think it was almost like a calling because I was on Twitter um, one morning. It was like eight o'clock in the morning and I saw this um thing or kind of like about looking for writers um and at first the Blackhawks team was full but I figured I would reach out and ask anyways 
And mm -hmm. sure enough, I kind of sent in some writing samples of some places I had written before. And that's kind of how it came together. So I think a lot of it was really by chance. And I'm really lucky and fortunate that it played out that way. Yeah, I've, I've listened to some, uh, some of you guys' podcasts. You guys, I, I heard the hockey uh, preview, especially as you guys said. You guys are all really good and really knowledgeable. So, uh, so again, uh, Brooke, I'm sure we'll have you on you know, during the season. Absolutely. So uh, where people can find you on you know, social media and all your, your writing, all the podcasts you guys do, all that other good stuff. Yes, yeah, so you can find um, the Blackhawks uh, Roundtable. Um, I think we are on Spotify and also on YouTube. And you could also find me on Twitter at Brooke underscore Lofo. That's on the screen. I'm usually the most active on there. And you could also find all of my articles at thehockeywriters.com. Um, I post pretty weekly at this point. So, and especially this year, we'll have a lot of content. So if you want to follow my content, that's where you can find me. <laughs> All right, as Lakina mentioned, we'll have you on throughout the season tracking Connor Bedard's uh, progress as he um, uh, as he begins this new journey on his uh, hopefully a successful NHL career, and hopefully he ends it uh, with a couple of Stanley Cubs in a Blackhawks uniform. Of course, the Blackhawks will kick off their season tomorrow night as they take on the Pittsburgh Penguins on the road in the Steel City. That's at seven o'clock Central Standard Time on ESPN. Brooke will be following you all season long. As Lakina said, we'll have you on this program throughout the season. Um, great job today making your debut here here on Second City Sports. Much continued success, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Yes, Brooke. thank you so much for having me. No problem. Right. Stay safe. Take care. All right, well, that was a lot of fun, Sid. So uh, let's go to yes. talk some, let's talk some. Uh, of course, that was Brooklyn Forno from the Hockey Riders, and you know, in the podcast. So, like I said, you can catch all this stuff uh, right there, all over their social media. So, uh, great content. You know, hopefully, we'll have a couple of her, her colleagues on there as well. So, we'll we'll, we'll see. But we're definitely going to have her back on to talk some hockey with us now. This is the second season sports on sports on Chicago. Lakina McGee, Sydney Brown, with you. We've got a few more minutes left, Sid. So let's talk some hoops, some uh, preseason games. Uh, 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 came uh, you know, uh, you know, came out uh, yesterday. Uh, the Bulls uh, played the Bucks uh, again. I didn't watch a lot of it. Sid. I mean, I was actually I was kind of glued to the, the NFL game, so I really didn't get a chance. Yeah, to it was on at noon yesterday. So yeah, yeah so was... yeah, the little big time in there. But uh, they did lose to the Bucks, one hundred five, one hundred two. They didn't look too bad, I guess you could say. Uh, P. Will had thirteen points. Uh, Kobe White got the starting lineup. You know, he had 14 points with eight, eight, eight for 10 from the field. Um, so, you know, kind of, again, it was like, you know, sort of a typical preseason game. I mean, they looked real, they actually looked pretty good. You know, they actually shot the three very well, you know, 37%, which, look, we know how bad this team was from three last yes. year. So, <laughs> you know, they showed a little bit of promise there. So, again, no Giannis for uh, for the Bucks. Of course, it's a preseason year. I think he really played the preseason anyway. But, uh Look, I mean, they look pretty impressive. They look 102 points. I mean, pretty solid. Yeah, so it was pretty solid by, by this Bulls team. Of course, they were more efficient with their passing early, and they were more efficient with their three-point shooting as well. They had, I believe, 19 uh, three-point attempts uh, in that yeah. first half. Of course, you mentioned Kobe White again. That started, I'm not sure that he's the starting point guard for this team going forward. We saw that experiment a couple of years ago, even though it was a much different team than it is now. But Javon Carter and Torrey Craig are expected to be difference makers this year, Lakina. So we'll see if Billy Donovan, he didn't announce whether he's going to keep Kobe White as the starting point guard as their next preseason game is, is Thursday. If he's going to start him or will he start Javon Carter or Ayo Dusumu? 
So, so we'll see about that. But uh, the Bulls looked better offensively. I know Nikolai Vucevic, hopefully uh, he wasn't much involved in the game playing yesterday because most of the stars, uh, except for P. Will, played 17 minutes exactly. So, you know, they want you want to rest them up, be fresh when the bell rings in a couple of weeks against OKC. But hopefully as we, we'll talk about it again, like, you know, as we preview the season in a couple of weeks, we'll talk about it again, I'm sure, that – Hopefully you can get Nikolai Vucevic more involved in this offense for the Chicago Bulls because it's been non-existent for the last couple of years. And we know that he's one of the best passing big men in the league. And once you get involved in the offense, that's going to make things that much more better for Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan in particular. Should be a, it'll be interesting to see what, what, what happens. But, again, I mean, the good news is for Billy Donovan, they got a lot more shooters to play with, so uh, he can kind of maneuver things as, as, as you will. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that. Um, so sports media news, I forgot, I forgot to, I meant to ask Brooke about this, but I, I did get a chance to, ESPN is going to be doing like a red, red zone style, like NHL. Like I saw that, on, yes. On ESPN2 starting in a couple of weeks, not, not this week, but in a couple of weeks on October 24th on ESPN2, all 32 teams will be in action. So John uh, Bucci, John Butchercross will be a host that kind of like a. NFL Red Zone. I don't know if he'll need bathroom breaks like Scott Hansen, but uh, maybe <laughs> some uh, play. They kind of played the around with uh, Twitter when the news came out. But uh, yeah, I actually like this idea. So, what do you think? I like it too. It gets more uh, fans involved in the game. It also, it can if they do it right, they can introduce new fans into the game as well. So, like you mentioned, all thirty-two teams are going to be involved. Hopefully, Connor Bedard for the Blackhawks will do something special. And they can catch it live and so. And then, like I said, it could potentially ex- expose the game to new uh, to new fans, and, and you can sell the game as well. And you sell the new stars like Connor Bedard and 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 not Taylor Hall, but Connor Bedard and um Connor McDavid, I should Connor say, McDavid. to to new fans as well. And and they could get used to some of the teams that they probably never heard of before, or they've heard of, they just never followed it uh, closely like we do. So. Uh, hopefully this could be a, a great thing if ESPN pulls this off right. Yeah, it's also like I said, it's all in the presentation, so uh, you know, going to be a, a lot to uh, kind of you know unpack there as well as uh, well. I mean, look, you go. Of course, you got the Blackhawks and the and the, and, uh, the Penguins. You got the Predators and the Lightning. You know, they're going to be uh, facing each other four three on ESPN and ESPN Plus. Also, too, you got the Kraken and the uh, defending, the reigning Stanley Cup champion, the Vegas Golden Knights on ESPN and ESPN Plus. I'm sure you're going to have all the ring ceremonies, all the pop and circumstance and stuff. So, you know, it just should be a lot of fun. You know, Vegas are going to go all out. So uh, that's just going to yes. be tomorrow night. That's going to be a lot of partying and oh, yeah. crap table shooting and all the other good stuff and fireworks <laughs> and all that other stuff. Is they'll put the Stanley Cup banner from last year up in the rafters. Yeah, should be. Interesting there, and you know, on and, and, uh, on Wednesday you got uh, the Canadians about the Big Six. You know, the Canadian on the Canadian side you got the Canadians and the Maple Leafs. Then it's six o'clock on NHL uh, Power Play, and uh, mm-hmm. you got uh, the Senators and the Hurricanes also on Wednesday. Uh, the Blackhawks coming into a second game of back to back. This will be on TNT as they go on the road to face Boston. Winnipeg and Calgary, mm-hmm. Edmonton and Vancouver, and uh, the Avalanche and the Kings. That's going to be the second game of that TNT Wednesday doubleheader. Yes, I cannot wait to watch the TNT coverage because uh, they have the best now pregame show, in my opinion, yes. on the air with uh, Paul Bissonette, of course, Rain Gretzky, Anson Carter, of course, Liam McHugh. 
uh, leads that pack, hosting that on TNT. I cannot wait to watch that tomorrow. You know, they're going to have a lot to say about Mr. Connor Bedard, despite what he does uh, does not do tonight in Pittsburgh. Tomorrow night, I should say, in Pittsburgh. Yeah, I'm sure, you know, Wayne's going to be raving about him. So it'll be interesting. Oh, yeah. Happens, <laughs> happens with that. Anything else before we uh, we disperse? Or do you want to do you want to do Old School TV Monday? Or do you have a show? Uh, in oh, yes, I do have a show. Yeah, if you're oh, okay. ready. I don't know how I'm going to handle it. But this is uh, uh, this show so kind of made its mark on my birthday over the weekend. So, so it's a sort of kind of an anniversary thing. So I'll I'll kind of get into it. It'll, it'll all make sense. Okay. All right, we will salute the old school TV music program. Do 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 do. All right, we won't get a copy strike, but it's American Bandstand, abbreviated AB. It was an American music performance and dance television program that aired regularly in various versions from 1952 to 1989. It was hosted from 1956 until its final season by Dick Clark, who also served as the program's executive producer. It featured teenagers dancing to top 40 music introduced by Clark, at least one popular music act over the decades, running his gamut from Jerry Lee Lewis to Run DMC, usually uh, appeared in person to lip sync one of their latest singles. Artists would sing naturally to the studio audience over a background of their own disc, while viewers at home would hear only the original recording. Freddie Cannon holds the record for the most appearances on the show at 110. The show's popularity helped Dick Clark become a media mogul and inspired a similar long-running music program such as Soul Train, which we saluted on this program before, and the British series Top of the Pops. Clark eventually assumed ownership of the program through his Dick Clark Productions Company. A previous host of American Bandstand, it was started about the original host in Philadelphia, Bob Horn, Lee Stewart, Tony Amarella. Of course, Dick Clark took over, as I mentioned, in 1956, and the syndicated, uh, not the syndicated version, but the Cable version in 1989 on USA was yeah. hosted by comedian David Hirsch in 1989. Yes. And the last episode on USA was on my birthday, October 7th, 1989. And if I can find that quote real quick, Lakina, mm-hmm. because no one knew that that show was going off the air. I'm talking about on USA. Uh, David Hirsch said this, and I quote, well, it's our last show here on Bandstand, and I really want to thank the viewers who had kept American Bassett on the air all these years. Dear Clark, wherever you are, we miss you. I try my best to fill your shoes, and I hope that you lived up, I lived up to what you were expecting of me. American Bassett will be back someday, I assure you. I'm David Hirsch, and on behalf of American Bassett, I bid you for the last time, goodbye. That was on October 7th, 1989, on the USA Network, as that show moved outside to Universal Studios in Hollywood. Lakina, yeah, and- you get Salute the program, trash the program. Uh, the floor is yours. <laughs> I, well, I'm not, I'm not going to trash it. I mean, I mean look, you know, it was great for the, you know, we saw the early days and we saw uh, the various you know, TV program about it. Look, there was a time when, unfortunately, they didn't have a lot of black artists on that show. It wasn't until mm-hmm. Ch- Chubby Checker and the twist that became, you know, he became the first, uh, you know, guy to, you know, to be, you know, be shown on, first black artist to be shown on bass. And there was an influx of Motown and, all mm-hmm. the you know, the other uh, black music, you know, he actually was, you know, to their credit, they were actually one of the first uh, shows to actually show hip hop artists, believe it or not. So, you know, people they remember because remember we talked about it when we honored Soul Train. Soul Train didn't, you know, they, they you know, Don Cordillo's unfortunately kind of wanted to stay away from the hip hop artists, but it wasn't until Bandstand started showing it 
you know, now, you know, then, you know, Soul Train started showing it. And also, mm-hmm. also the very artists from yesteryear, of course, you had the Everly Brothers, um, Rick Nelson, um, you know, all the way to the more contemporary stuff like Aerosmith and, you know, the Jacksons, of course. So, yeah, they, they definitely. Yeah, one of the highest yeah. greatest episodes ever. Yeah, 1979, I think that that's, I think the year where that, that show aired. But because that was mm-hmm. back when, you know, they had the little joke. It's on YouTube. They had a little joke where, you know, they had the, the cop and, you know, it was hilarious. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we got, it's on YouTube. You know, just, just Google American Bandstand of Jacksons 1979. You'll, you'll, you'll thank us later. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it was sort of like, you know, of course, of course, their first prince, what, 1970, that was their first prince, so you saw, they they were on every couple of years. Um, so yeah, I mean, you, you kind of saw all the artists and whatnot, you saw how all the dancers kind of evolved, you know, you saw more, you know, diversity and, and whatnot, so yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I think Dick Clark, look, he, look, I mean, he said it, you know, in, you know, in various interviews over the years, you know, until, you know, of course, Sally, uh, his stroke and, uh, and, and, and such. He said, look, he kind of evolved with the music and whatnot. And, they, and look, they did mm-hmm. what they could on the, on the USA, but it just wasn't the same. They stayed off for another, like, what, 13 years before it ended. But, you know, look, for what it was on ABC, it was a Saturday staple. Like, mm-hmm. it, it came on, you know, in between, you know, the cartoons and whatnot. So you kind of peeked in to see what was going on. So it was a great Saturday morning uh, show that kind of, you know, sort of, like, paved the way. and actually launched a lot of musicians, like hundreds of, of, hundreds of uh, music artists. Yes, they did. A lot of clips that you can catch on YouTube, uh, Lakina, just a couple of nuggets and tidbits before we close out. Of course, Prince made his uh, television mm-hmm. debut on American Bandstand with that yeah. world famous interview. It was almost like he was playing charades. And, and you know, Prince, <laughs> uh, there was, I know he was trying to be cool about it, but, you know, he was a very private guy. He just wanted to play his music. But that was, that was one of the reasons why he didn't get do much interviews until later on in, in his life before his untimely passing in 2016. Right. Uh, he, uh, remember that famous Rolling Stone interview he gave several years later after that bandstand interview. He said he felt so embarrassed. He didn't want to do that ever again. But he made his debut on that program. Remember Madonna? Uh, yeah, she she saying how that early 1984, her career took off. Of course, you mentioned about some of the hip-hop artists that appeared on that show. Uh, I think the first rap group was uh, Run DMC, of course. Uh, Curtis Blow was on, on yes. there. And uh, the Beastie Boys were, Beastie were Boys. on there. Yeah, uh, were, were on there. A few other uh, acts as well. But remember, Lakina, his a uh, couple of other historic historical facts. During the eighty six eighty seven television season, uh, that show was cut down from an hour to a half hour half because hour, of other yep. programming at the time, mm-hmm. college football in particular. Yep. And then, of course, during the 87-88 television season, it went into syndication for one yep. year. Of course, in nineteen eighty nine. April of 89 went to the USA, USA uh, cable network. network. And of course, it ended on my birthday, October 7th, mm-hmm. 1989. So it went through its changes. Of course, they, they got competition, not just from Soul Train, but from Friday night, Friday night, Friday night videos. videos, MTV, MTV just started at the time. B, yep. Yeah, BET. VH1. And of course, VH1, which started in 1985. So American Bandstand was the first of those dance programs to really, uh, their ratings suffered because all those others programs that you just mentioned that was taken up becoming popular just about overnight. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, look, they, they, they did what they could to kind of keep up with that. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. it kind of just, you know, kind of went out. But look, you know, you go all the way back to the 50s, you know, the Delphonics, uh, the Beach Boys, um, mm-hmm. to the 60s, you know, Mamas and the Papas, and and then, you know, Cass Elliot when she was solo. And also during the disco era, of course, you had the Bee Gees. And, and mm-hmm. so, you know, look, there were a lot of artists. And look, you know, their credit kind of ran the gambit from the 50s all the way till, you know, till, you know, in 1989. 
when it you know aired its first run. So uh, look, you know the, the Gap Band, Aha, you know they're just like yeah. all one, some of the one hit wonders. Of course, they had you know Fleetwood Mac. Just so you know, it kind of like ran a gamut of all like the top you know artists from back then, and they kind of like you know, look if you were on Bandstand, you know you made it. You know, New Edition, yeah. that was their first TV appearances on uh, American Bandstand. I saw a clip with them not too long ago. Like, you know, 14, 15, I think Ronnie was the oldest at the time. He was like 16. So everyone mm-hmm. was just going to puberty. So uh, make it feel old. Make it feel old. They're holidays. They were 77. Well, that was their first appearance. Uh, made their first appearance on bands. It was like in the late 70s. Foreigner, same thing in the late 70s. So, uh, yeah. NXS. Oh, that was one of my, one of my favorite bands ever. NXS. Uh, what's your, real quick, what's your favorite NXS song? Oh shoot! Oh, crap! They had so many. Uh, I I need you tonight. I, I'll I'll just say that because that's the first song that's on my head. But yeah, they had so many great hits. You know, Michael Hudgens, God rest his yeah, soul. Yeah, I like that too. Even though it did cross over to the black charts, uh, into mm-hmm. black territory. I know that. Uh, um, I think they still do it now with V One Three's Friday Night Dance Parties. They used to play that a lot, at least uh, uh, up until a few years ago. But my favorite NXS song is uh, "Give Me What You Need." That's my yes. second favorite. But my, Give me what you need. Give me what you need. That's my second favorite. Oh, yeah, but my, that, my number there. one, and I didn't know this until later, there was a political song, Suicide Blonde. Especially in the beginning, we hear that, no pun intended, that fake Stevie Wonder harmonica playing. <laughs> yes. Woo, you can't beat that intro. Come on, man. Yes, on. yes, yes, yes. They definitely kind of infused a lot of the, uh, they had a, I remember uh, Michael Hudson said in an interview that, look, he grew up listening to a lot of those, like, you know, CD Wonder and a lot of the, uh, mm-hmm. the R&B. That's kind of where they got the fusion from some of the songs that they yeah. did. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's kind of how that kind of like, you know, that's why, look, I'm a big, I, look, I became a big fan of NXS. Even, even with the earlier, so like you said, so it was kind of more of like an adult alternative band. They kind mm-hmm. of, you know, kind of mixed it with a little bit more pop. So, uh, uh, there you go. Uh, yeah. So uh, look, look. You're just there's a whole list of artists that were on bandstand to me for us to count. But uh, look, you know John Mellencamp. Um, you know Jack and Diane. That was the, the, the song that he uh, he sung on there. So yeah, there was like so many. You know Ray Parker Jr. Of course, you know Ghostbusters and What Hit Wonder. Yes. Pe- Pebbles. Uh, you know just you know just so many like you know kind of ran a gamut and look Lou Rawls. I mean, there's so many to name. It's <laughs> just so many to name. Of course, yeah. Robinson, you know, you know, both as a as a Solaris and of course when he was with the with the miracles. So uh yes. you know, Rockwell, you know, again, look, I mean, just so many artists. And I don't know if a show like that could work nowadays because you know, because you know, with Spotify and Amazon uh, music mm-hmm. and all the other ones. I don't know if a, a show like that could work. Of course, TRL is there credit. Well, we'll honor TRL at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that kind of you know was sort of the last of that though that big you know music you know showcasing you know music from our small genre so uh, right you know, yeah yeah and, uh, one last thing before we close out like and I don't know if you watched this but I think I know some of the episodes are on YouTube but mm-hmm. do you remember for those two years in the mid nineties that Dick Clark um, he signed uh, he signed on to air some of those episodes on VH1 yes. but mm-hmm. but if you remember he didn't show the whole hour he showed no. uh, showed the he only showed the performances, like rate of record. Yeah, yeah, yeah. rate of record. And I forgot something else he did, but it was cut down from an hour to a half hour. Yeah. And he showed the performances whoever was on for that episode. And he did rate of record. You remember that famous line from rate of record from all those kids? It's a nice beat. You nice can beat. dance to it. <laughs> yep, yep. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, you kind of evolved through all that. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look. You know, look like like you said, a lot of those episodes are on YouTube. Some of them, I think, you know, I think from I think you gotta go like really. I'm hoping that at some point, you know, of course, we're dealing with copyright and some of that, so we probably won't see mm-hmm. any 
a lot of the episodes on like you know Pluto TV or whatever. But uh, it'll be nice to see. I mean, look, you can kind of do you know do genres, I guess. You know, before there were stars like Madonna and you know mm-hmm. Cool J and, and those folks. Or, yeah, like, his debut on on Bandstand as well. I'm talking about Cool J, and then yes. did his debut later that year in '86 on Soul Train. Yeah. Yes, he did. That, that was like, I think, yeah, he, yeah, he appeared on a Bandstand first before uh, Soul Train, right? Yes, he did. Like, yes, he remember, did. Remember what I said? Remember what I said? Yo, Dick Clark, well, actually, he actually welcomed hip hop artists, yo, Don Cornelius. You know, he didn't play that much during the rest of his show, but like I said, he did bring some of them on. But you know, like but like we said before, when we did Soul Train, uh, Don Cornelius, even though he said he wasn't a fan of it, uh, he started to bring a whole lot of them on through the mid through the late 80s. Of course, the 90s, when hip hop became pop, more popular, it exploded. You, you, you couldn't name one episode that, uh, that uh, Don Cornelius didn't have. Uh, hip hop artist on Soul Train. Now I know uh, we I know we got uh, Boogie and get up out of here, but one more quick nugget looking. I saw this in one of the comment sections, uh, one of the uh, clips on YouTube. But Dick Clark actually had a three year contract on the table from ABC, and yeah. I did some research myself. That the year that he went to syndication in 1987, the 87 88 television season, ABC had a three year contract waiting for him mm-hmm. to sign. But they told him that they would keep the show at a half hour. He said, no, I want my hour back. That's why he went into syndication in the fall of 87. So he could have he stayed on ABC until 1990. But he said, no, I want, to, I want my show uh, for an hour. And he said, no, I'll leave, it, I'll leave that contract on the table. Yeah, which I, don't, I can't say I blame him because you know, there wasn't a lot. I mean, you could do for the half an hour. So, uh, yeah, like the show was over. But, of course, like you said, I mean, you know, the, the other program, of course, they had other, other shows. Of course, college football, you know, was a staple at 11 a.m. our time, though. That, mm-hmm. that like time, it is so. now. Yep. It still is. So, uh, yeah, I mean, look, I kind of don't blame him for, you know, I'm sure he probably made a little less money when he went to, when they went to USA, if I'm a mm-hmm. bandstand, but I can't understand why he wanted to have that whole hour. So I probably would have done the same thing if I were him. So, uh, okay, you can, you can check out all the American bands. Well, some of them on YouTube. Hopefully, at some point, you can catch them on Pluto TV. But like I said, you're going to deal with like copyrights and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. you may, it may be a while before. You know, they'll, they'll they'll show any of them, but uh, but uh, again, look, check it out on YouTube. You know, a lot of the episodes. Yeah, so the couple of those specials too uh, are uh, are available on YouTube as well for your consumption. All right, Lakina, close us out. All right, as we honor the American Bandstand uh, for Old School TV Monday, you follow Lakina McGee on the Twitter X and Kiss Cook again the IG. You can follow your Shirley Sydney Brown on the Twitter X and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. S-I-D-K-I-D-K-I-D-80. I can't talk today. <laughs> uh, make sure you follow Sports on Chicago on all social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, X, Instagram, and YouTube. Please download that Sports on Chicago app wherever you get your apps. Please subscribe to our podcast, War Media Podcast, W-A-R-R Media, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. We are on all podcast platforms, including that iHeartRadio app. And while you're at it, please give Warm Media a follow on all social media platforms on Facebook, Twitter, X, Instagram, and YouTube at WARR Media. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Uh, we like to thank Miss Brooke LaForna from the hockeywriters.com. She covers the Blackhawks for their great website. Make sure you support her, uh, uh, follow her on all social media platforms, and go to the hockeywriters.com to catch her content and all the other uh, great writers uh, from that website covering <coughs> all 32 teams from the NHL. And catch Second City Sports every Monday, every Friday, live in the living color from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time. Exclusively on Sports on Chicago. 
One more game, as the kids would say. Catch Second City Sports Live, they live in color every Monday, every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, exclusively right here on Sports Zone Chicago. And of course, you can catch Sports of Chicago anytime, anywhere on Roku TV. Again, Roku. Just, just go, just go on your Play Store, your Roku app, whether whatever device you got. Type in Sports of Chicago. You know, it's all right there. You can catch our show, Sean and Maya, the Smoke Fellas. What's up, cuz? I know, I know, Jay Paul's gonna be in a good mood tonight after his uh, Dolphins with a nice bounce back win uh, against the Giants and uh, and a whole lot more. So uh, again, you can catch Sports of Chicago on Roku TV anytime, anywhere. All right, Lakina, take us home. All right, enjoy all the games. I know it's acting like fall, so make sure you guys stay warm out the well, except for all you out west. I know you guys gotta stay cool out out there, but uh, look, enjoy the baseball. Enjoy if you're in the WBA finals or the aces, you know, they got a one only over the Liberty. So you guys can check that out if you can. I think game three is game two. I should say, I think it's Wednesday, if I'm not mistaken. I might be wrong mm-hmm. about that. I think it's either tomorrow or Wednesday. So check it out on ESPN. So, uh, you know, check it all out. You know, of course, like, uh, Forrest said, I'm like Kansas Music and Sports on Sports Hill Chicago. And we'll see you guys on Friday. Let's go, Connor Bedard in Bandstand. Bandstand. Sorry. <laughs> <Holla>. <laughs> oh, boy.